It is another Sunday evening here. It's a very stormy Sunday evening. Hopefully the sound of my office door rattling in the background won't be too audible on the um, uh, on the podcast as I as I come to you live here from the office on a very stormy Limerick night. It's the Chair Shop Podcast once again. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Barry. Joined as always by Paul. Hello. And of course, I'm joined by Joe as well. Joe, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Barry. Hi, guys. Uh, Joe, how is it? How is it over in Old Blighty tonight? Because it's very stormy all weekend here. It's been quite horrible here, actually. Um, yeah, it keeps sort of pivoting between really nice, sort of bright weather, and then just horrible rain and wind. Mm. So, uh, very hard to predict. I like a bit of consistency. I don't want to have to keep checking the weather every five minutes. So it's mm. not good. Not good. So yeah, bl- blustery at the moment. Uh, what about you, Paul? How's Kildare holding up? Um, it's uh, as David Lynch would say in his weather report. It's uh, very still right now. Um, but this might be like in The Simpsons when Homer goes out and it's the eye of the hurricane. Um, but right now, very still, dark. Of course, you're going to go outside and just see Bunsen in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> And what a shame that would be. I hope Brunson is still on the go when the world opens back up. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I haven't had them in a very I, long time. Because I was coming to terms today with the fact that uh, I'll probably never go to Cineworld again. Um, you know, we've all been here, uh, Cineworld unlimited members for the past like six years. Um, and Cineworld is, is as of now in UK and Ireland is closing definitely. Mm. So we might have to switch up and see what the market looks like when it opens back up. But a uh, sad end to a, a long, long association for me going to that cinema. And the last film I saw in that cinema was Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, I, I for, kind of forgot about it until you said it just then. But that—that that is that is probably the one thing more so than anything else might legitimately be changed forever on the back end of COVID, which is going to the cinema. Because um, yeah. uh, I feel like most of the chains are are dangling by a thread, and I'm sure I'm sure the cinema will still exist in some form uh going forward but oh it seems like it does not seem like thing, things are going very well um for the the big boys um yeah and I, I love the irony that this all happened almost immediately after Endgame smashed the all-time box office yeah um, very appropriate but yeah uh, other than you know uh, mourning for the cinema uh, what what have uh, you been up to this week well, I have a quick quiz for you guys. Go on. Very impromptu. It's called What Drink Is Paul Drinking? Now, I'm going to give you a clue, right? an audio clue. Here it is. Mm. Ooh, there we go. That's and I'll give fun. you a... I'll, I'll taste it as well, just so you can... Ah, that's a good blank. Ooh. I mean, it sounded, it sounded like a Steve Austin drink for the working man, but I know that's not your style. That's not um, yeah, beer. No. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm thinking either a, a Coke or a, maybe a Fanta. I don't know if it's Paul drinking a Fanta. Uh, well, I, if it was Barry doing the quiz, you know it wouldn't be a Fanta. That's for sure. 
Oh, where does my fancy? Uh, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah, like you yeah. don't like the sticky fingers. I know what. There's now there's a callback. It's been a hot minute since we <laughs> since we've had that. Um, but, like uh, I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a clue. This drink, were you to somehow pour it on your hands, would probably result also in sticky fingers of some kind. Uh, well, I, my guess, based on the can opening sound, uh, right, is right, right. Pepsi. Okay. I'm going to go Pepsi Max. <clears throat> Fuck off! That sounds very much the... Uh, I'll go $601, please. Uh, Pepsi Max is the correct answer. Yeah! Hang on, I just have credit for narrowing it down to Pepsi based on the can. How did you How did you narrow it down to Pepsi? We Neither of us have any clue what it is. No, I know what a Pepsi can sounds like. Oh, bollocks. As if you know the difference between a Pepsi can and a Coke can. It's the same can! No, no, Pepsi's the shape, it's like the sound is different. Hey, listen, I got it, okay? I narrowed it down to... You said, you said Pepsi! I narrowed it down to the conglomerate, okay? Joe is the winner. I will say, though, that the, to Barry's point, the cans are different. Mm. Not in the, like, they sound or whatever, that's meant. Oh, they do. But, but if you want to pop the ring pull off, right? Now, this is true. Try it next time you have a Coke or a Pepsi can in your house or whatever. Uh, a Coke can, you need to just wiggle it back and forth, and it'll come off, right? That won't work with a Pepsi can. What you need to do is turn it 180 degrees and pop it off like a champagne bottle. Um, and that's the easy way to do it for a Pepsi can. You can wiggle a Pepsi can, the ring pull won't come off. Uh, but also, the popping off technique won't work on a Coke can. There you go. There's a bit of trivia for people. Hmm. Um, apart from that nonsense, my week... Um, had a very sad death in the house today. Oh. Um, I know we've we've talked in the past about rats and guinea pigs uh, that we've lost. Today was a mouse. Oh, uh, my, my computer mouse, um, which I've had for a few years now. Right as I was sitting down to get ready for the podcast, I plugged it in. I gave it a little wiggle, and the cursor, no move. Oh, so. Uh, it was a Logitech wireless mouse, and uh, I, I even put new batteries into it. I even put new batteries into it, Joe. I know you had a battery issue with your keyboard today. I was hoping, I was praying that that's what it was going to be, uh, but unfortunately, the new battery did not improve uh, the situation. So I'm using, at the moment, a wired mouse like it's 1997. It is a, I don't even know what company it is. A retrack, a blue retrack mouse. And the mouse itself, do you know the way when you're using a mouse, you'll let your hand just rest on the mouse? And the mouse, most um, mice, will be roughly the size of a, a half closed hand, right? Yeah. So that your hand, your hand can rest quite easily on it. This mouse is about two inches by five inches. It's the smallest mouse I've ever used. So even when I rest my hand, there's a good two-inch space around the mouse, <laughs> between the mouse and my hand. Oh, um, I don't know, those small mice. No, it's really tiny. It's not comfortable to use. Um, I would say the like the the length of the mouse from the the tip of the mouse to the the other end is probably about half the length of my hand. So it's, it's about the length of my middle finger. That's the kind of size of the mouse we're talking about. And it's about the width of 
maybe my my three fingers. So if you if you hold up your three fingers like a a scout uh, hand gesture, uh, the the area of your fingers that's about the size of this mouse. So it's a little tiny little deal. Um, I have to order a new one, but uh, for the time being, uh, I found this one in a in a drawer, so I'd have to do. Um, I will not use a touchpad. I can't use them. I hate using touchpads. Have no, to use them. There she is. See you there. Even for a laptop, I always have to have a mouse. Um, usually a wireless one. Uh, aside from that, uh, I hate Royal Mail. Ooh. Okay. Because, and Royal Mail can die, was what I wrote on our rundown. <laughs> um, as you know, I ordered all my Christmas presents real early this year, right? Very good boy. Uh, they've all arrived apart from two. Um, now, to be fair, one of them uh, was scheduled to arrive last week, didn't arrive. I contacted the seller, and they said, look, uh, give it a few more days. Because I said, look, I know the COVID circumstance uh, are potentially affecting the uh, the post deliveries. And I read that um, in Ireland, we're experiencing something like a 130% increase on uh, postal delivery compared to this time last year. So understandably, there's a lot of posts going around. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm expecting delays, hence the reason why stuff was ordered so early. But um, I said, look, I'm happy to wait a few more days, see if it arrives. If it arrives, great. You know, uh, if not, they're going to give me a refund, and I'll, I'll order, try and order from a different seller or something. That's fine. But uh, the other thing that I ordered, um, I think I ordered on October seventh, so we're talking over a month, uh, and the seller sent me the tracking information. Uh, which was through Royal Mail. So to give you the tracking number, you can go to the website and you know see where it is. So I contacted the seller after about three weeks of no no parcel arriving, mm. uh, and checking the Royal Mail website, the last update was on the seventh of October, saying your package is being prepared. Oh no! So uh, the seller said, "Oh look, it's probably lost." I'll send you another one, and I'll give you a new tracking number, right? This was on, I think, the 7th of November. I think it was pretty close to almost exactly a month later. It's now the 15th of November as we record this. Any guesses what the Royal Mail status is? Exactly the same as the first time. Oh, no. So, I'm going to... One thing I haven't done yet... Uh, because I've been talking to the seller, I'm going to try and contact Royal Mail directly. I don't know how good their customer service is, but I'll try and get some info from them. I'll give them both tracking numbers and say, look, this was the first one. It was just stuck like that for weeks. Here's the second one. Can you give me any info or whatever? Mm -hmm. And because the Christmas present, I might even contact the seller and say, look, I, I know I'm asking you to send me out a third of the same item here. Um, but maybe if I could pay some extra money and just don't go through Royal Mail, just like send it out by courier or something. <laughs> um, because specifically for this one, it's been a disaster with Royal Mail. I, you know, potentially two packages lost, which, you know, if I were a seller, I would think that that, that looks dodgy. But like, honestly, they can see the, the tracking information with Royal Mail and I haven't gotten anything, so... Just a disaster. Just a disaster. Ever, ever since privatization, they've been very unreliable. Once, once the queen yeah. took a sort of hands off, took a hands off role, <laughs> <laughs> she's gone to shit. 
It's like he's really stole WWE. It's just, uh, you know, one word. Right. Um, so hopefully I'll have some kind of resolution on that by next week, but that's basically everything that's been going on uh, for me this week. Well, if uh, if, you're, if your kind seller does uh, resend that package, hopefully it gets there promptly, uh, but I would not recommend using the cunts at UPS, baby. Oh, <laughs> no, not at all. So, um, so this is uh, console launch week. Of course, uh, yes. X- uh, Xbox launched on Tuesday, PlayStation launched on Thursday in certain parts of the world. Uh, that won't be out over here until next week. So I was very excited. Uh, I spoke on this show about how I got up on the that morning on September, uh, like all the, the jabroni marks. It was like I was like one of those iPhone freaks or something, uh, refreshing the browsers and all that shit. Got my order in for the Xbox Series S on pre-order day. Lovely stuff. Sold out everywhere, but Barry got his. So uh, this past Saturday, just before I recorded this show, in fact, I uh, got an email. Uh, the money was taken from my account. Got an email from Microsoft. They said, oh, blah, 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 blah. We'll have taken the money from your account. You'll get uh, uh, another email shortly letting you know uh, your thing is on the way. It'll have a tracking number. And hey, don't worry. If you don't get early Tuesday morning, our courier will be making deliveries all day on November the 10th. So don't you worry about it. I was like, fair enough. So I got an email there on Saturday saying, hey, We've created a label for your delivery. I'm like, cool, great. It's with UPS. Uh, so, uh, you know, weekend. So uh, presumably no one really working weekend. Get this notification, label created, nothing happens. Sunday, nothing happens. I'm like, okay. A uh, bit, bit weird that it's supposed to be here on Tuesday. Coming from the UK, uh, warehouse in the UK. And I was like, well, you know, I actually deal with UPS a lot for my work. Uh, and I know that they could easily get a package from the UK to Ireland in less than 24 hours. They could get, they could get it in six hours if they wanted it. Um, so that was a bit odd. So Monday morning, I'm at work. And I like, I don't know about you lads, the worst thing in the world is to have a tracking number for something you're really waiting for. Because I'm checking this thing every fucking five minutes. I'm like, well, has, is it picked up yet? Is it picked up yet? Where is it going? Is it moving? The workday finishes... Uh, on Monday, the console was released on Tuesday, and it had not. It, the label had been created. That was it. And it, it even says in their little description, "Going, we've created a label. We don't have your package yet, though." And I was like, "So, so you don't even have it yet. You haven't even started the journey." So um, I refresh at around six o'clock on Monday evening, just as I'm having my dinner. Lo and behold, they've got the package. They've slapped the label on the box. It's on the way. They've given me an estimated delivery date. Wednesday the 11th, and I'm like, hang on. I ordered, <laughs> I raised this order a month and a half ago. You created the label three days ago, and somehow this delivery from fucking England to Ireland could not get sorted in all that time, and now an extra uh, uh, day has been stuck on. Now, I know this is the definition of a first world problem. My my expensive new Xbox is one whole day late, but, you know, Tuesday rolls around. Oh, Barry's booked the day off work. Right, and have I spent? I spent about half that day just looking at this fucking tracking number. Uh, a buddy of mine who had worked for uh, not UPS, but he worked for a different. Uh, he worked for logistics in a big company who worked with a courier like UPS. And he was like, "Look, it's not necessarily doomed. You may get it late on Tuesday, but I wouldn't get your hopes up." I didn't get my hopes up. I kind of made my peace with it. I did ring them once just to see what was up. Uh, they had very little info, and I know from my job. 
not to bother pushing them because they're not going to give you more information. And I also learned from my job that UPS will like, they will never offer to, oh, sorry, it's a day late. We'll, we'll pop it on an early morning. Uh, no, you'll get it when you get it is the update. Um, so, uh, so that's why I, and here's the thing, uh, you know, took the day off work to be a big kid and play on my new console, got delayed, but in the current circumstances, I couldn't exactly go down the pub and enjoy my day off elsewhere, you know, go for a, a drive out of the county with, with, with the missus. All, all that shit is off the table because we're still in lockdown. So, uh, that's when I decided to watch a lot of action movies, which we'll talk about later. Um, and yeah, and then eventually, so I had the day off Tuesday, just sat around on my arse doing nothing, went back to work, which again is from home, but still went back to work Wednesday and indeed UPS about, about uh, three o'clock UPS showed up uh, uh, on Wednesday with thing. Uh, I was convinced that the work day was going to conclude without them dropping it off. And I might've killed someone if they did eventually. I was convinced they were going to show up at eight o'clock, like before I went to fucking bed um, with the Xbox, but thankfully they, they, they got us here. Uh, in enough time for me to set it up and play with it that evening. So, um, yes, so you can scratch them off the old Christmas card list as well. Um, they are no good, baby. Mm, well, it got there in the end. It did. Although, <laughs> I, I was a bit annoyed. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, about two weeks ago, uh, he's like, so any chance of getting these Xboxes? I was like, nah, not really. I I'll keep in my eye. I'll see if any links pop up. Because, you know, certain retailers were like, oh, we got an extra one. We got an extra two. Uh, so two weeks ago, I sent my, my, my buddy Patrick uh, a link. I said, oh, here you go. It's, it's live. Uh, if, you can, if, if you're reading this in the next 20 seconds, click it and grab it. Otherwise, it'll send out. He got it. Uh, so he, he ordered his about two weeks ago after I pre-ordered mine a month and a half ago. Uh, and he got his on launch day, which was lovely. Uh, another, another friend of mine who had not pre-ordered one at all, on Tuesday, he said, oh, some retailers have the S in town. So if you just go on Smith's website, click and click, you can just go get one today. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's nice. That's good. <laughs> uh, and then one of your friends just found one on his way home the other day. Oh, this is just in the road. I'm glad, like a jabroni mark, I was there refreshing at 8am as, as the Microsoft website was shitting itself and you just rolled out of bed on the Tuesday, went and got one. I couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's that's all I did with my week. So I'll talk more about the Xbox stuff later. Oh dear. I haven't been up to much this week, to be honest. Just uh, was a bit of football on the week. It's uh, international week, which is... Uh, Probably a bit pointless during COVID. They probably should have scrapped all internationals because it seems like there's just super spreading events happening in, in each country. But, uh, oh, no. Yeah. Um, but England did have a, a good win during the week. Uh, I can't remember who they were playing. It was, uh, I don't know. Anyway, some minnow. Um, yeah, good 3 0. Some minnow. Um, but we're unfortunately losing 2 0 currently to Belgium this evening, which is a bloody shame. But uh, yeah, yeah, and of course, Scotland uh, qualifying for. Euro 2021 next year. First tournament in 23 years it will be. Um, so well, well done to the Scots. They'll be playing England at Wembley next year. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, that's that's been about the week. Other than that, pretty pretty quiet. So uh, ready ready to get onto a bit of telly guff. Yeah. Well, just on on the topic of international oh, football, oh. I. I... I always take it as an opportunity to not watch football yeah. for a week. Just take a break from it because Ireland, who play, who are they playing this week? Um, oh, anyway, don't worry about that. Um, uh, they are now on. We've not scored in six consecutive games. Oh dear! And with the new manager Stephen Kenny, we we actually have more red cards than goals. 
in seven games, I think, since he took over. We have two red cards and one goal. I'm surprised we, we didn't lose uh, 7-0 to England, to be honest. <laughs> 3-0 was flattering. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll be on the way back soon enough. They just need Robbie, Robbie Keane out of retirement. And then... <laughs> Tony Cascarino, Andy Townsend, get him off ITV. Stick him back in centre mid. Um, bring back the Premier League. That's all I can say. Yeah. Right, Telly. Who's got some? I've 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 got some Telly. Um, so we watched two the two latest episodes of The Mandalorian. Mm. Mm. One of which was very good, continuing on the trend from the first episode, and then one of which was uh, not as good. Um, so episode two, I, I really enjoyed, um, Mandalorian is a show that, you know, the way sometimes you get to the end of an episode of Mandalorian and over the end credits, it has the concept art for that episode. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you see that and go, damn, I wish I was watching that <laughs> instead of what we ultimately get. Cause sometimes concept art looks better than what the show ends up being. Yeah. Um, but this episode had really cool concept art, and thankfully, this was one where the show kind of lived up to it. It had almost a kind of throwback feel to it, in that it felt like an old Star Trek episode. There weren't many characters in it. It was on a visually pretty interesting planet that wasn't, you know, overly done with CGI and creatures and this and that. It was very, kept very simple, and it told a simple story, but told it really well. Episode three, which, without spoiling anything, is the one that a certain wrestler shows up in. Okay. Um, and delivers the most wooden dialogue you will ever see. Um, <laughs> yes, she spoke in it. Na- at the end of the episode, I was like, there she was. And Natty goes, what? That was her? Yeah, she had, she had about three lines in it. And they're all delivered. <laughs> they're all delivered like a Lars Sullivan promo. Um, <laughs> That episode was, I think it was only like 31 minutes long. Wow. And so it, fe- it felt really rushed. Nothing had time to be kind of fleshed out. Um, like it was in episode two, where episode two, again, when I was talking about what it was specifically about, was timed out very well in terms of things happening and mm. the plot being moved along. This one was a bit too quick, where Mandalorian meets some characters and then they're on a heist and then he's with the, and too much stuff happened and not enough time given to, de- to develop or flesh out who are these characters why should we care about these characters mm-hmm. what's happening why do they want to go onto this ship and do this thing it's all very quick um, and as a result that episode was, was not as good also featured um, something that was in an episode last season which is when they do action scenes in let's call them Death Starry esque uh, environments. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes those visually get very repetitive when it's just the same corridor for like three or four consecutive shots yeah. when they're shooting shooting star- stormtroopers down the same corridor for five minutes, you know? And then they go to the next corridor and it's the same corridor and it's just that. That gets very boring. Uh, unfortunately, that was quite a bit of the action in this third episode was not very exciting like that. But uh, episode one and two, if you still haven't, if you're if you're waiting for it all to be out, so you can kind of binge through it. Episode one and two are both great. Uh, third episode is is not is not great. 
Uh, we watched some more Gilmore Girls. Gilmore. Mm. Or as I started calling it, Gilmore Gills. <laughs> oh, he's a comedian, this one. Uh, we've watched two more, so we're up to episode... F- we've, we've watched up to episode four now, so... Um, I think the stuff that I, I said last week, I still think holds, holds true. One thing that's interesting about the show, though, is that while it's... Uh, what did I call it last week? Like rich, rich, wasp rich, porn. rich wasp fancy porn. It is that. It is very much um, about how richness and wealth is the idyllic, you mm. know, way of life. At least in this town, this Connecticut town, right? Um, and yet, it it portrays the poor people of the town as the the nicer people the 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 people with real values and and paints the rich people as horrible insufferable idiots so it's it's almost a juxtaposition in the show itself where it, on one hand richness and wealth is is the goal of everybody everybody wants this but then it shows that the people who have that are all horrible yeah. So it's a bit of a, a a mixed message I'm sure it's intentional but I just found that interesting um and yeah, everything like like I said last week, Lorelai, who who um, left her her parents and kind of pulled herself up from the bootstraps, right? Mm. And so she is kind of the figurehead of the quote unquote poor people. Yeah. But she works at this, and I said this last week. Works at this seven star hotel, the Inn, <laughs> right? Yeah. The Inn, which hosts uh, weddings for the richest people in the world, and ha- have a uh, harpist played by um, Alex Borstein who does the voice of Lois in Family Guy hmm. um, it's like no- <laughs> even the poor people of the town are very well off in comparison to your typical you know Joe Bloggs yeah. um, that's one thing about the show that uh, I guess that like I can't really relate to it's, it's not so rela- uh, relationable is the or relatable to use the actual word? Um, yeah. Is is just the pure amount of rich snobs in the show, um, which, which in a sense grounds the as I said the the less snobby, the nicer people, makes them more more likable. More yeah, relatable. and there, yeah. there are people out there. It's um, it's just a funny aspect of the show that I I'm kind of getting used to the the further into it we go and waiting for those characters to to show that you know. They actually have a heart as well, or maybe they don't have a heart. I don't know. We will see. But um, I, yeah, the fourth episode in particular I liked a lot, which was the one where Rory gets the the D, which made me think, of, of course, of uh, mm. Bart gets an F. Um, <laughs> but uh, where she has the little outburst that yeah. the the other students, uh, the the guy who keeps calling her Mary and the mm-hmm. the, uh, the snob girl, who God, you just want to kick her off a cliff. No! Oh, God. Yeah, snob! Get out! <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, but the show is, is very, very enjoyable. Um, now as well, as I said last week, now the drag race is finito, because mm. we've watched all of them. We watched uh, 12 seasons of the actual show, 5 seasons of All Stars, the celebrity season, and the UK season. So whatever that is, fucking 19, 20 seasons. Finished. So now we watch Gilmore Girls and The Mandalorian and The Soup. And the Canada season as well, 21. Um, yeah, so it's nice to now 
while um drag race was a very easy show to watch it's nice now that that, that that's done and we can start to watch other stuff oh we also watched master chef this week three episodes the first three episodes of master chef the professionals on uh on bbc one now they used to be on bbc two um and that is also a fun show except they don't dress um uh, in women's clothes in it which is a bit disappointing except the women <laughs> except for greg <laughs> what about you guys uh, well, a little show returned today on Netflix called The Crown. Oh, um, so the fourth, the fourth season um, that is back. It's actually the penultimate season. They're only going to do one more after this. Um, but this sixteen season, yeah. Are they not doing a future Crown season in space? No, they're not going to send uh, Her Majesty into space. Um, <laughs> her, um, this one is actually set in the eighties, so finally it's gotten good because I think. To be honest, not a lot happens to the royal family in the 70s. It was a bit dull. That's a kind of pad a few episodes. Uh, last season wasn't very good. Uh, but this one, we're into, into the 80s. We're into Thatcher, Miners, Princess Die. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, so we watched a couple of episodes today, and um, it's it's a return to form for the crown. Um, the, the beginnings of Princess uh, Prince uh, Prince Charles and uh, Lady Di getting together. Gillian Anderson as, as Margaret Thatcher doing not quite. It's not quite a parody, but it's it's close enough that it's really good. Like I, the voice, she gets it spot on, um, and and she does it really well. So I, I think her performance is really good. But yeah, we watched the first couple of that, and that's that's really good. So we'll be consuming that with a vengeance over the next week or so. Um, yeah, glad they're back. I was very sceptical when that show first came on, but Michelle got me into it, and actually it's a lot more interesting than just being a show about the royal family, which would be quite dull and of absolutely no interest to me. Um, but yeah, it, it is really good. So uh, yeah, that's what we've been watching, in addition to our Gilmore Girls rewinder into season five of, of Gilmore Girls, um, once it starts to go downhill. But yeah, you know, it's all right. You'll get, you'll get there, Paul, one, one day. <laughs> I will. And yeah, and that's uh, that's been it for me this week. Yeah, I watched the trailer for that uh, for uh, you know Gillian Anderson as Thatcher in in the ground. It seemed good. Yeah, it looked like it was uh, um, uh, pretty pretty one to one, and then there Diana as well. Um, yeah, I, we finished our Nathan View. Well, my rewatch, Brona's first time seeing it. Um, you know, still great. One of my favorite shows ever. Um, the last season, I mean, the last season is just some of the most surreal um, TV I've ever seen. There's like, because Finding Francis obviously is this whole whole thing. Uh, but I forgot as well about the episode where he does the tightrope walk as someone else and then goes on the date as the other guy to set yeah. that girl up with guy. I was like, oh my God, I forgot all about this. Completely bizarre. But yeah, I mean, excellent. And the finale is fantastic and um, very, very surreal. Very, very surreal last season of that show. But uh, one of my one of my favorites for sure. That, that, that's all I've been watching, really. Okie dokie. Uh, so as we can jump in there to the game Guff, and I will, uh, once I eventually got the Xbox from UPS, um, I have been uh, messing around with it a lot, um, uh, most of my free time this week, and a, and a lot today, in fact, before doing this show, has been um, 
uh, messing around with the old Series S, which is the one I got. The cheaper model, uh, no disk drive, no 4K. Um, and yeah, so so early impressions are, are, are really, really good. Um, uh, I think the whole the whole marketing, I think, of both the new consoles has very much been speed. Speed, 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 speed. It's so fast. Um, and I will say that, you know, so uh, the setup is straightforward enough. You boot it up. Uh, it connects to your phone. And then while it's downloading all its patches and that shit, you're, like, signing into your account. What kind of languages do you want to use? What are your what, what are your power setting preferences? And in the time it takes you to fidget around with all that, it's done. Um, so that's handy. Um and so it's uh, the the I suppose the immediate things that jump out are the loading times and stuff like that. Uh, I downloaded just out of curiosity because the Xbox has all that backwards compatible stuff. I downloaded SSX three, the original Xbox game, the snowboarding game from about fifteen years ago. Uh, and it's it's so funny because it's like what would have been the loading screen with like help and tool tips on it. It is like a subliminal message. It like you you press <laughs> you, you you press start race and like a thing that you can't make out flashes on the screen. Um, and you just jump it like it is. It, it's insanely fast. And obviously, look, that's an old game, but I, it, it's still a, a pretty incredible litmus test of like, hey, you know, 15 years ago, this took about two minutes to load, and now you're just straight in. But obviously, that's you know, you're not you're not going to be playing SSX three with, with this machine. But I, I thought that was pretty great. Did uh, I hear that they artificially lengthened the loading screens in like was it Ghost of Tsushima on PS five? Because people can't read the hints, like you're saying for SSX. Well, I did have that problem uh, in Yakuza 7, which is... Uh, so they've kind of got things... There, there are no kind of, quote-unquote, exclusive games on the Series X or S. Basically, the way they have them broken out in their little... Uh, uh, you can you can break down games by by system in your menu, uh, and Yakuza Seven and a couple of others they're listed as optimized for X and S. So the, it it's had a patch basically where it's like, hey, if you're playing this on S, you'll you'll get the faster, shinier version, and that is in fact a problem I've had. So it's not quite as fast as SSX Three, but basically you get about two seconds of a loading screen, and at the bottom it says uh, it's important to save. Make sure you save, and then it's gone. Um, uh, and I imagine uh, on on a, a PS4 uh, that you know, based on like Yakuza Six, which I played on PS4, that's probably about thirty seconds ish um, uh, of loading where you can read a tooltip or two. But uh, yeah, it's 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 instantaneous, um, uh, and and the speed is kind of the name of the game. So downloading is incredibly fast. I I, I don't know, Paul, uh, how how you feel about the PlayStation 4's downloads? I think it's horrendous. Um, uh, uh, the amount of time it takes, like obviously games these days require patches, and the games themselves are big to download. And it's just, I, I would look at the PlayStation Four, and I'm like, okay. You you are not maximizing my internet connection at all, uh, whereas the the new Xboxes are very very fast. Dug out an, an Ethernet cable, uh, hooked it up to the, the the router as well, and it's it's crazy. I mean it's 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 like it's like we can download this stuff as fast as the internet will allow us, which is which is great. Um, so uh, the other thing that's kind of a big selling point is quick resume, which is the ability to suspend multiple games at once. And then 
jump back into any number of them, basically as you see fit. So I can be in the middle of a mission of Yakuza 7, I can go back to the home screen, I can decide I want to play Doom, I jump into Doom, if I'm halfway through a mission there, I decide I want to go back to Yakuza, it's two button presses and you, you're, you're immediately back. It's like multitasking on your phone, do you know what I mean? It's like jumping out of one app and jumping into it out of another. Um, and so basically you can have like multiple games on the go at once, so when you uh, boot the system up, you have this choice of when I was playing these three games and if I go back into them, I'm not going to have to watch the initial developer screen and start press start button, uh, continue. Like you're not going to do the main menu. You just go back into where you left off. And it's, it's really impressive. Uh, uh, although it's, it's uh, not working across the board on the system at the moment. Um, but it's, it's very, very impressive, uh, 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 to see it work and and that's kind of i mean that's kind of um uh, it really is is the um uh the just have, have the speed of everything and the, the big selling point being game pass which i've talked about a lot on this show anyway um on the pc end um but yeah i'm i'm really happy with it i'll i'll, I'll kind of chat a bit more about the uh, the other games I've, I've been playing this week um uh, I mentioned there Yakuza 7. I put about two hours into that. That's the the latest edition in the series. It serves as something of a soft reboot in the sense that it's um, it technically follows the events of the previous games, but it's new protagonist, new story, uh, some of the same locations, but some new locations. Uh, and they've they've changed the combat system. It's even it's very uh, it's very Force Awakens in the sense that. Um, it even feels like they are kind of redoing some of the initial plot stuff, but with new characters, if that makes sense. Um, uh, like the very, very first Yakuza game has a character. Uh, the prologue is set 10 years ago. Then they go to jail for a crime they didn't commit. And then the game resumes when they get out 10 years later. Uh, that exact same thing happens in this game, just with a, di a different character uh, and a different set of circumstances. But uh uh, yeah, so that's that's really good. I'm only a couple of hours in. Those games take a couple of hours to to heat up and let you out into the open world. Um, Paul, have you ever played either of the Ori games? No, because I so I'm I think this is my favorite thing I've played on the Xbox so far. It's on Game Pass, but it's also on the Switch. The it's Ori and the Will of the Wisps is the one I'm playing. That's the one that came out this year. Um, I, the reason I ask is because I feel like it's a very new game. Um, I feel like it's a game right. you would love um, and they did recently port it to the Switch and apparently it's a fantastic port as well on the Switch um, it's just this very beautifully drawn fantastic soundtrack kind of um, Zelda-ish, Metroid-ish kind of Metroidvania game um, that just looks and sounds fantastic and plays great Um uh, you're just this little kind of impish fairy looking character called Ori uh, and you've got uh, fairly basic uh, you know double jump and an, an attack and stuff like that but the uh, the way that the pace at which they introduce new mechanics is uh, is crazy um, kind of too complicated to really get into but I, I think you would really like it it struck me very much as a game I think you would love um, uh, if you if you gave it a go okay keep it in mind um yeah so that's probably the one i've sunk the most time into i started doom eternal today not much to say on it it's very similar to doom 2016 uh which is good 
So uh, they've added a couple of new extra bells and whistles to it, but it's it's kind of that game again. Uh, the game I probably put the second most amount of time into is Forza Horizon 4. Um, well, maybe Paul should play this one, because this one has Top Gear missions in it. What? What? Do you hit a Mexican with your car or something? I, I actually don't know what the Top Gear missions entail. I haven't done one yet. I, oh, there's actual Top Gear missions in it? No, oh, no, yeah, I'm not missing. No, no, they, they, with the... Oh, I thought you were joking. No, with the branding in it. Like, yeah, they it, it's... And so this game came out like two years ago, so I, I assume it would have been LeBlanc. I don't know. Um, Chris Evanson's little head. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe, now, look, it may not even have any people at all involved. It might just be, look, they stuck a logo on a racing mission. Like, who knows? Um, yeah. But that game, I am not a car game guy at all. I have not, I don't think for the entire last two generations of PlayStation, I have not bought a Gran Turismo game. Uh, I don't really give a shit about that. But Forza, Hori- For- Forza Motorsport is kind of my- Microsoft's answer to it. And then Forza Horizon is their less kind of gear heady more kind of casual equivalent game uh, and it is effing fantastic i absolutely love it it's set in in well they say it's set in britain and there's some very kind of generic british looking little villages around it but then one of the big cities on the map is just called edinburgh so i suppose it's technically supposed to be set in scotland but a lot of it doesn't look like scotland but anyway um and so yeah it's an open world racing game where you can do all the things that that would entail drive over here to do a race uh drive go over here there's a big ramp you can jump off uh drive over here there's a speed track where you have to go you have to hit a certain amount of miles per hour uh it's it's really really great it just looks and sounds fantastic great soundtrack um and again a, a great one to to pop on a new console and just see some shiny cars doing doing handbrake turns um and uh in in the spirit of a grand turismo it has 10 million officially licensed cars in it lamborghinis and fucking everything else um i love that that's that's a, that's a, um uh, a real time sink and the final thing the last thing i played which is actually a, a previous generation game it's called ghost runner uh i don't know if you ever played or liked or at all uh, uh mirror's edge I didn't, no. but uh, continue. Yeah, so it's a it's a first person kind of parkour focused kind of game. Um, you play as a it's a kind of got a cyberpunky type setting. You play as a a cyborg ninja fella, and it's kind of uh, you're you're running around, you're wall running, uh, you're you're jumping from wall to wall, you're dodging obstacles, and uh, you're just it's kind of got combat in it. It's kind of like a combat puzzle game because it's one hit one kill so you're running up these walls jumping from wall to wall trying to take out all the enemies on the map but if they hit you once you have to start from scratch um, okay it's fun it's 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 kind of challenging it's a little bit frustrating it has an air of the hotline miami or super hot about it uh because the one hit one kill can be quite frustrating but it's it's quick to start fresh uh which is good uh that's okay not not i i want to see how that that finishes, but I, I think it's solid. Um, that's another one that's, again, it's technically an Xbox One game. It hasn't, it hasn't been um, patched or optimized for the Series S, but it runs really well. They're, one of their big selling points is like, hey, if you play an old game on it, it will inherently just run better being on the system, and it does. Uh, it, it looks great. It runs great. Um, yeah, 
so that has been the mammoth gaming session. I've I have just sat on my arse playing this Xbox all week. Um, <laughs> yeah, but of of all those games, uh, Ori and the Will and the Wisp. If you like, if you like Metroidvanias of any description or platformers of any description, absolutely get that. And uh, if you want just a really relaxing, fun time killer game, I I'm I'm stunned at how much I'm liking Forza Horizon Four. Um, uh, so yeah, and the rest of those are all solid. But yeah, that's the uh, that's the big Xbox uh, week I had. Yeah, well, I do like the king of the Metroidvanias, Super Metroid. That's a game that I really love. Mm. Um, Ghost Runner. What I've seen of Ghost Runner reminds me of uh, Titanfall Two in a non-shooting way. Right. Whenever I see that while running, I think, "God damn, I just want to be playing Titanfall." <laughs> I don't you want to play this game? I was, I was um, tempted to, because it's on uh, uh, Game Pass. Because uh, EA Play just got added to Game Pass, which is like a mental value. It's like the last yeah. five years of sports games, Titanfall, like every Battlefield game that ever got made, uh, and Titanfall's on there. But I was like, that's just a waste of memory on this thing because I've played that game to death. But it's so good, though. I should have it. I should get it again. I want to play that campaign again someday. Yeah. Because I almost want to leave it long enough that it's not fresh in my mind anymore, that I can be almost surprised by it again. Yeah, like maybe wait until they announce a new one or something. Yeah. Oh, God, that campaign alone was worth the price. So good. So, so good. Anyway, what are you going to um, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. That's hey. it. I'm now 32 hours in. Jeez. So I put in a good amount of work this week. Um, I'd say I'm probably 10, 15 from beating it. Um, I've changed my approach this time since I started Act 2. I'm not doing, you know, a little bit of the map. The old Assassin's Creed checkbox theory let's say where yeah. you clear out a little bit of the map oh there's a fox then over here do that and then oh, they'll take a shrine over here do that no i'm just doing quests quest 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 uh, and that's in essence filling the map out for me so i'm going to be doing less um less backtracking for the quests themselves and that's filling the map out so it's going to be easier for me to fast travel and then tick the boxes at the end of it hmm. um but yeah i'm i've done all the side quests possible in the second act because i compared <laughs> i compared the list of side quests i'd beaten to, to a guide and uh, i think i was only missing like two so i just did them quickly as well so i've done all the side quests in the, for the second act um all the mythic quests might except for one that i haven't finished yet um which i will do during my cleanup of the the map and i think i have like two more main quests to do in, and then I'm finished Act 2, and I can move on to Act 3. Um, one thing I like about second act is that the geography of the island changes completely from the first one. Uh, the first part of the island is very almost, like, untouched. Yeah. Um, apart from, like, you you know, you have burnt, burnt down buildings and such like that, but generally there are big meadows and woods that are very, very nice to look at and are very untouched. When you get into the second part of the island it's a lot more damaged by the war a lot more ravaged by the war um it's more kind of mountainy more hilly so it's nice because i I expected the whole game was going to look like that first act yeah and actually actually it doesn't um so i'm excited to see what the third act is going to look like i'm expecting now that's going to be different again 
and there's like in the second part you have these thick uh forests that you have to kind of navigate your way through you have these swampy areas and um burnt down forests and very very different looking which i which i appreciated um the quests themselves continue to be like the high point of the game specifically the mass effect style ally quests you know where you have your your specific allies and you have their story which is you know, runs tangential to the main story. When I said last week that I was starting not to run out of steam, but that I'd hit a wall where I was like, I'd be happy if this game ended now. Uh, in changing the way I play, I've got almost a second wind, no pun intended. Um, and kind of that's what's how I was able to put a further, you know, 12 hours in this week alone. Um, yeah, those side quests are really well written, really, really good. Um, I still feel like I'm a little bit overpowered and the game is a little bit too easy. Okay. Um, because I just reached a point in the main quest, uh, which I feel like was supposed to be a bit more intense and a bit more, um, you know, Lord of the Rings battle-y than I felt like it was because I was able to defeat so many enemies so quickly. Um, you know, later in the game, I don't think it spoils anything to say that you, you, as you get more and more abilities, you're able to chain assassinations and chain your standoffs to an extent that you you have half the thing, half the fight done before you really before you can start. fight. Yeah, yeah. I've started to use smoke bombs a lot more. Like early on, I was using kunai and uh, sticky bombs because you know they seem like the the well. You throw hit R one and you're damaging the enemies, and the smoke bombs don't damage the enemies, but you can use them to you know escape a sticky situation. Actually, when you use the smoke bombs, uh, you can then assassinate the people because they've lost sight of you. And if you have the ability to chain assassinations, the smoke bomb suddenly becomes a very overpowered item. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping to have it finished by maybe this time next week or a little bit after that. Um, definitely got a, a renewed interest in it and playing it. I'm not sure how it's going to hold up when, as I say, I've beaten the quests and I'm just doing the checkmark stuff again. There's only so many foxes you can follow in a game. <laughs> but um, no, very good. Yeah, yeah, I love the old Ghost Tsushima. Uh, what about you, Joe? What are you playing this week? Uh, still playing Super Mario Sunshine. Mm. Um, I think when we last spoke, I was on about. 30 or so shrines. Uh, I'm now on about 75. Oh, wow. So I've, uh, a lot of them are quite easy, though, to be honest. I think I've actually, I actually beat Bowser because um, I didn't realize that I was playing the final level. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought this was like the first encounter with Bowser, and then there was another one, but I played it and I realized that I just beat the game. Um, which is weird because I was quite, I quite like. That I won't. You haven't ever played that, Paul, right? You didn't complete it before, so I won't. No, spoil it completely for you. Obviously, it's just a you know a battle with Bowser, but it's quite a fun one. A quite different, but then actually, when once I realised that the game was over, I was like, oh, actually, that was, that was too easy. <laughs> it wasn't that challenge, and it was quite an easy, quite an easy um uh, final battle. But yeah, so now I'm just kind of going around picking up all the other shines, and um, I think what I've realised. Um, with this game is that there is so much filler in terms of the, sh the shines you have to do. Like each each kind of land has 
probably six shines which are just coin collecting so there's like, oh, wow. there's like okay. two at least two if not three uh shines we have to collect eight red coins there's um 100 gold coins you have to collect to get a shine and there's also 30 blue coins in each level which you can trade for three shines as well okay. <laughs> so uh, when you consider there's there's only like six kind of main missions in each area then there's yeah. then another like eight which is just coin collecting it's like hang on a minute you've given me 120 shines to collect but like half of them are just collecting bloody coins which is you know it's fine but it's, it's Bit, bit repetitive so yeah well i mean mario 64 has 15 levels sunshine doesn't have that many what does it have eight something yeah like that? yeah something like that yeah and in and in 64 is it's quite restrained it's like two you know you have one one eight one red coin uh one yellow coin and that's fine so you get two groups yeah. that's fine this is just like fuck we need to get to 120 <laughs> we've only designed like 50 levels quick just add on a load of coin collecting to, to get it to 120. Yeah. Uh, so that is that is the kind of disappointing um, element of the game. And at this point, I'm kind of just hunting for blue coins, and it's a bit like oh, this is going to be a bit of a slog. I think I'll still finish it because I'm the, I'm you know I'm at 75. It's not yeah. going to be too much longer. I probably will do it just for the sake of it, but it's not like with 64 or with Odyssey where you're kind of getting a real sense of completion and it's quite fun. It's just. Well, as you as you said, sixty four has a bit more variety to it. Where mm. sunshine feels, all the levels feel a bit samey. Yeah, it feels like a very small. It feels like a kind of old Game Boy game or something, where it's a lot right. lot less expansive um, than the kind of main main sort of Mario. Or it feels like a Luigi's Mansion almost. Yeah. Like it's not as big as those mainline Mario games. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'll probably keep. It probably take me another week or two to just to finish off the remaining ones um but yeah it's that in terms of and you're still characters. you're still holding out galaxy for christmas yeah yeah i'll probably play this over the next sort of couple of weeks and then some point in december i'll dive into into mario galaxy you think you might squeeze something in before galaxy maybe um i don't know i might might just have a little play around see what see, see what, what deals are yeah yeah yeah, but uh, yeah, still still playing that, and then I've got Galaxy. I'm too. I'm really really yeah. excited to hear your thoughts on Galaxy. I know it needs to be good to perk me up after Sunshine. That's Mate, it's it's good. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it is. It's good. Um, as we said before, yeah, it's definitely more on the Mario Odyssey scale than the yeah 64 Sunshine scale. Yeah, in All a right. sense, Galaxy is when Mario became what it is now. Mm, mm. Oh, it's so good. Ooh, ye, ye. All right. Well, that's uh, the video games for the week. Uh, who watched some movies this week? Do you want to go yourself? I'll go myself. So, yeah, I'll, I'll run through these uh, fairly quick. Uh, yeah, so on my day off Tuesday when I was waiting for UPS to show, uh, I watched some movies. I watched Big Trouble in Little China for the first time, which was good. Uh, I feel like the peaks were high, but they probably weren't frequent enough. I, I I was left wanting a little bit more. It was like It was like zany, but I feel like it wasn't zany enough for me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I was um, I, I, I was waiting for a little bit more. But good, you know, not bad. 
Yeah, I saw your poll on Twitter, and despite that I gave you the right answers, I think I've not seen Big Trouble in Little China, but of what I know about it, I think it's a film that is a bit more rooted in, in nostalgia. That like it's yeah. almost a film you see when you're a bit younger, um, to get the full enjoyment of. I notice you don't have Total Recall on the rundown here. No, I did not. Um, I did not get Total Recall. That was the film you should have watched. <laughs> Predator to me. I said both of them. Uh, well, Predator is fucking brilliant. Well, as, well, as so. we discussed, I have seen Predator already, and I knew that was excellent. And and uh, yeah. big, big little China won the poll, so I had to honor them. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I can't be accountable for people's wrong answers. That's all. That's fair enough. But anyway, I I think you are right though, because like there's there's some very Saturday morning cartoon about about Big Trouble in Little China because mm-hmm. it's like uh, you know Kurt Russell's like this cool guy truck driver who you know he's kind of a loner. He does his own thing. He gambles. Blah 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 blah. And then oh you know he 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 chases someone into Chinatown and there's warring kung fu gangs and they're just the, you know gang war in Chinatown in this movie involves two different clans of ninjas kicking each other through windows um and then there's mysticism and and all kinds of of action it was all right it was all right not john carpenter's best not kurt russell's best but um it was all right and then i uh, uh i re- can i ask quickly how far along on the racismometer is big trouble in little little china with 2020 glasses on um <laughs> i mean there, there was there was a degree of kind of like one dimensional uh like i said like you know they 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 were having a gang war but they were all like kung fu clans <laughs> uh, but beyond, beyond that i don't i don't think it was it was too ridiculous okay like, i ask because i watched a film which i got to talk about which i think had a bit i had issues with i i would say there was no the because they did have a, a you know they they had a lot of a, a good a good uh, uh, Chinese cast and then uh, they they were not they were not just there to to be stereotypes. They were, like Kurt Russell wasn't hitting them over the head with fucking chopsticks or any shit like that, or <laughs> or, or he wasn't saying any slurs. That, you know, uh, that it. Um, but yeah, so I I watched uh, Predator, which I'd seen before. I mean, it's still a classic. I still absolutely love it. Uh, I don't know what you really say about Predator at this stage. Um, Classic Arnie, who's like for the first half of the movie, like he's not that good because he's just kind of sternly reading dialogue badly. Um, <laughs> but then the second half of the film, he's like just all in, fucking going mental. Come on, kill me! <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and that stuff, that stuff works great. Uh, yeah, Predators, Predators, phenomenal. Um, I love that first. Is one of the first scenes of Predator that's just complete destruction of this little village. It's yeah. so over the top. Just massacring fucking these people, um, and then uh, during the week because we wanted something sort of low attention span to watch, uh, and because the girlfriend hadn't seen it before, we watched Venom uh, on Netflix, which I still, you know, thought on a rewatch was. Like not great, but I still had a bit of a soft spot for it. There was two things about it though that. Um, are truly horrendous. Truly horrendous. Um, okay. One of them is that Eminem song that plays at the end. Which is Berserk, ab- is it? No, it's Venom. It's called Venom. Oh, Venom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Venom song. You're Venom. right. Yeah. Venom. 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 It's like it was one of the worst original songs ever composed for a film. I mean, it's so right. I agree. Absolutely yeah. right. And then the, the post credit scene with Woody Harrelson. Oh, my God. 
so embarrassing. It's so terrible. What is he wearing? What is that wig they've given him? Um, and why was and why was he like that other movie I was talking about recently? Why was he doing uh, Ricky Gervais Derek face in the cage? Oh God! <laughs> oh God! Why? I mean, if your only problems with the film are the credits and the post-credits, the film itself wasn't be that bad. Well, I mean, the film is, is, has problems, lots of problems, but I, I, I feel like it's kind of a more than the sum of its parts. If you look at the individual parts of it, I mean, there's a lot of... The, the villain is shit, and there's tons of cringy dialogue. It's one of those films that's sort of thick, but thinks it's clever. But I, I, I just think the, the bits of it that I like, I really like. I do like the, 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 the Brock-Venom dynamic, but it's not... But it's 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 propping up this very shoddy film, otherwise. Um, but yeah, that's that's Venom. That's all I watched this week. Okay. Yeah, I I hate Venom. I know you hated Venom. Yeah. I didn't want to step on your toes. I, I was playing devil's advocate a little bit, but fuck, I fucking hate that film. <laughs> Specifically, the scene where he. The thing escapes up the ceiling and it shows it and then the character doctors go where'd it go oh, <laughs> stupid stupid film for stupid people <laughs> um i will agree tom hardy's a bit of crack in it and then there's a scene where he's in the tank yeah it's pretty that's it. i wish they leaned harder into a lot of that weird shit um in that one but yeah and I hate in those films where the baddie is, and I understand it's based on the comics and all that. It's maybe a flaw of the comics. I hate where the baddie is just a grey version of the good character. Oh, it's come up with something better than that. It's also it's also like <laughs> this hypothetical carnage movie they teased in the in the, the post credit scene. It's like you've already done the movie where he fights another big ugly symbiote thing. Like what's that movie gonna be? Oh, and I, I know it, I like this is old man yells at cloud territory, but when they're fighting, it's just a mash of pixels. I can't tell what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the action scenes in that movie are actually better than I remembered, but that that one at the end is just a load of pixels everywhere. It's just uh, it's unwatchable at the end. But yeah. Anyway, um, I watched Roar Shower for the first time in a long time. Oh, I don't know why. I, I think it had come up in conversation, and I was just in the mood to revisit it. Um, I think Rush Hour is great, and I think it's one of the best little um, buddy cop movies of the last 20 years, maybe. I think the two leads are so likable, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Um, it's just like one of those effortlessly enjoyable movies. Now, I got problems with it. First of all, um, directed by a diddler, right? <laughs> oh, God. Allegedly. Brett, what's his name? Well, don't say it. <laughs> I mean, I've said directed by. Maybe he didn't direct, but he was, you know, that guy. Um, also. Wait, are you talking about Weinstein? No. Oh. He didn't direct Rush. Rush Hour was directed, directed on, on a different topic, <laughs> unrelated to diddling, officially, in case the cops are listening. <laughs> Brett Ratner directed, directed Brett, oh, Rush Hour. Oh, oh, Let's oh. call him uh, Rhett Bratner. Red Bratner, right? Uh, B Ratner, no, that's too obvious. Uh, Brett R. <laughs> so there may may have allegedly been rumors of a diddling of some kind. Okay. Okay. Um, also, a little bit too racist for me, I think. <laughs> now, no, even for Paul, even for Paul, before right. before I get accused of. Um, Snowflakeism. I do have some examples. Right? God forbid. Yeah, go on. 
and it's more it's like 98% Chris Tucker his character in the movie now his character oh, in the movie to be like fair you're the racist here if you have a problem with Chris Tucker <gasps> 95% of the problems with this film I can live with the diddler director but I cannot stand this black chap in one of the starring roles that's what you said <laughs> black chap that's a bit <laughs> undermining isn't it no he's a gentleman of colour what well, let's just say he um, is obviously come. Well, he didn't write the movie, but his character has obviously come from the Jerry Lawler school of orient- Orientalism. Oh no, really? I don't remember. I've seen. Where this, I don't remember. Everything is your sweet and sour ass. This and rice aroni that. Oh, and no. at one point, at one point, um, because all the antagonists in the movie are like Chinese, right? At one point, he does say. Uh, and he gets cut off before he before he can say "son of a bitch" or something. He does call a character yellow, which what? I had a problem with. Um, also, and this is not a problem of the f- of the film per se, right? But of the manufacturers of the DVD, maybe. Um, there's a scene where Chris Tucker goes in to the like pool hall run by his cousin, who's doing like a, a gambling ring out the back, right? Uh, so Chris Tucker goes in and he's meeting. The other, um, the black characters in this location, and of course he he says, "What's up, ma?" And right. then you know the N word, right? Well, his mother is there. What? <laughs> <laughs> but the the subtitles on the DVD are coded with that word having a hard er <laughs> instead of an a. <laughs> oh dear! And then Jackie Chan says it. As well, because oh, no. you know, the, the, the gimmick is he says, do what I do, and then Jackie Chan, once Chris Tucker goes to the back room, Jackie Chan oh, says it to the guy, and oh, I was like, oh dear. Has he been cancelled for that? I'm surprised Twitter hasn't found that. And yeah. Um, uh, nevertheless, Rush Hour is a very, very enjoyable film, and uh, Jackie Chan's very fun in it. Chris Tucker is very good in it. Um but definitely a movie of its time, and I think were it made today, a lot of that content would not be in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, or probably the last bit would still be, w- but with proper subtitling. Um, I also watched uh, on a similar vein, Borat uh, one and two. I watched the old one. Oh, gave that a very nice. And then I watched the new one. Um, I I've come down a little bit on Borat. Um, the first one, especially on rewatch, is so bare bones. Yeah, like, I still I still enjoy it. Don't get me wrong, but so many of the scenes. There's one scene with um, I don't remember that some American politician, right? Mm. And he goes in and he he gives him like cheese. Would you like some cheese? And the guy eats the cheese and he goes, This made by my mother, teat cheese or whatever, right? <laughs> so your man, and your man goes, Oh, and that's it. There's no interview, there's no real reaction to it. It's just like, oh, Cut, next thing. Um, and that's the weakness of the film is at points it almost feels like a jackass, like skit movie where some of the skits are literally 30 seconds because that's all they could get out of mm. the tape. The tape like. um, and the best bit of the movie is when he's in the RV with the fraternity guys and they are just the worst human people. The wor- well, the worst people there's the, the guy at the um, rodeo. Oh, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the, the man who kisses will go f- floating around. <laughs> All this. Oh my God. I don't even want to repeat what he says. The worst people. And that's when Bora is at his best, right? Is when he is, he's not necessarily the focus of the scene, but he's the facilitator and he'll say, uh, oh, the gays. And then the person will go, oh, yeah, we hate the gays in this country. Um, and the best scenes in the movie are that, right? The problem is there's not enough of those big set pieces and too much filler almost, right? Um, the second film, the new one, Borat's subsequent film, uh, is like that to the max. There is so little <laughs> um, of the high points. I, I didn't like the second one really at all, unfortunately. Aww. Um, which is a shame, but I I just thought it was too contrived and too yeah. Like I thought, like okay, let me talk about the good points first before I start tearing it down. I thought the the actress who played the daughter was really good. She was, yeah, yeah. And as we saw with um, uh, Bill and Ted, the third one, whatever that was called. Sometimes when you have established main characters and you try to introduce like the daughters that they can come off not as good and be the weaker part of the film. I thought she was actually as good as, if not better, actually. I thought Sasha Baron Co- Sasha, what's his name? Sasha Cohen. Baron Cohen. I thought at points that he he wasn't trying as hard as he was in the first one. Like his accent even would sometimes just slip into his own voice. Mm. He wasn't so thick with the, I like Borat, you know. Um, and I thought the, Unlike the first movie, too often he was the focus of the scene instead of allowing people to say horrible things and yeah. react to them. Like, um, and that was really signified uh, mostly by the the Mike Pence scene, which, having not seen the movie, I expected to be almost the pinnacle of the movie. Right, the the Mike Pence scene, the scene where he goes, it's like he goes in and goes, "I have my daughter for you," and. Uh, he, Mike Pence looks at him and security walk over and calmly escort him out. I was like, what a wet fart that was. Yeah. I was cut out of the film. Like, nothing happened. There was no comedy in there. And the real issue of the movie was I was about 55 minutes in and Natty asked me, how's the movie gone? And I'm like, eh. And she's like, I asked because you haven't been laughing this whole time. And I was yeah. like, there you go. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. Um, unfortunately for him, I think if it came out in cinemas, it would have been really successful. But watching it solely as a movie on like Amazon, um, I don't know. I thought it was too too bare bones. Not enough funny bits in it. Some scenes, um, and I noticed this in the first movie a little bit. But I think if if they were doing it in the first movie, it was much better hidden, right? Where you have Borat and the daughter talking to some hillbilly, right? Which is inevitably what the movie is. Uh, and you never see them on screen at the same time. It's always one shot of Borat and the daughter and then one shot of the the person they're interviewing. Yeah. And definitely I got the feel that stuff was contrived where they would ask a question to get a specific answer. And then they would ask the wacky question and edit that in instead of the mundane question. Because sometimes it didn't feel like like with wrestling. Sometimes it didn't feel real, and I didn't buy into it. And that's when the first movie, as I said, when that's at its best, is when you can believe. Because it's so easy for 
Baron Cohen. He just lets the person talk and talk and talk, and you buy it, right? In this one, I didn't buy it, and so when you don't buy it, the humor just like vanishes into the air. Um, some of the stuff I did like was his little friend with the fax machine who was faxing back and forth to uh, Kazakhstan for him. But even that, I feel like... So, Borat goes to send the fax back to Kazakhstan. And the guy says, well, what do you want me to send for you? Uh, send a SUP, S-U-P, right? Because the joke being Borat doesn't understand that when you send a fax, you should put all the information in. He's treating it like a phone call, right? Right. But the guy doesn't, like, react to it or go... No, Borat, you don't understand. Like, he just goes, all right. And so there's no joke to it. The guy just goes along with it and doesn't, there's no like Tim from the office look to the camera, like, what the fuck is this crazy guy? He just goes along and there's no joke. <laughs> and I'm like, what's the point of any of this? So I thought the second one was a bit disappointing. First one, I think, is still good. But as I said, I had a very rose tinted in my memory as being brilliant. And it's, it's a little bit emptier than I remember it being. Second one, aside from the daughter, who I thought was very good, and one or two good moments, I thought was a bit of a miss. Not bad, per se, just I I, I didn't... A bit disappointing, I think, is a better word for it. Uh, and then to close off, I watched uh, World of Tomorrow, part one, two, and three. Uh, World of Tomorrow are a series of short films by uh, a filmmaker called Don Hertzfeld. They are kind of surrealist sci-fi animated shorts. Uh, they are brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. In fact, the part three, which is the new one, I think I, I talked about a few weeks ago that it was coming out. I only got around to seeing it. Uh, World of Tomorrow part three is the best Chris Nolan movie of the year. Okay. And uh, that is to say, I enjoyed it more than Tenet. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, World of Tomorrow... Um, I think they're all on his Vimeo. I have the first one on Blu-ray as part of a Don Hertzfeld uh, set that he put out. But I think two, or, two and three are only available on his Vimeo page. I think it was for like five euro or something. Uh, well, well worth it. They are... The, the gimmick of the first one was that he had like a young niece, I think, who was like maybe three or four years old. Okay. And so she says you know, silly stuff, as a three-year-old would say. And then that he took those clips and created a script from them and an animation about it. A sci-fi animated short film, which is like 15 minutes long, um, about her her future self comes back to her uh, for a variety of reasons I won't get into. And then from there, the second and third ones get more and more complex and move away from that. Like, it is very funny at points because <laughs> um, she's so so silly. Uh, and then by the third one, it's full on, as I said, Christopher Nolan esque <laughs> time travel thriller. <laughs> and it's so so brilliant. One of, one of the best. Okay, I haven't seen very many movies this year, but definitely one of the best movies I've seen this year. As I said, better than Tenet, absolutely. Um, I would say if if you're any way interested, there's a trailer on. Um, YouTube, just search World of Tomorrow trailer. Okay. And um, it's really weirdly animated, but if you can get into it, it's got a really compelling story. If you watch all three parts back to back as we did, it's like maybe an hour 20. And I gave all three of them uh, nine out of tens on wow. Letterboxd. Really, really great. Um, they're very strange, admittedly, <laughs> but 
brilliant, brilliant stuff. And that's what I've watched. Alrighty. Uh, nothing for you, Joe. Uh, yeah, no, a couple of movies for me. Um, oh, sorry, I deleted them by mistake. No, that's all right. Well, luckily, I remember what I watched. It's only two. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, surrealist uh, animation, I watched the exact opposite of that. Um, watched some uh, one movie from the very early nineties that strangely I've never seen, even though it was, it was quite a big movie at the time. Uh, the Bodyguard with Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner. Um, the one which has. And- on the soundtrack um that's quite a good movie it's very slightly kind of cheesy 90s thriller drama whitney houston basically plays herself and kevin costner is the ex-secret service kind of guy who becomes her bodyguard and they fall in love while he's saving her from a maniac um what i quite liked about the movie is that it, it gets very straight to the point like it's only two or three minutes in that they they first meet, um, whereas I feel if the movie was made now, you'd have half an hour of backstory before uh, the two main characters actually meet. So that that was good. That was a fun movie overall. Um, we also watched a movie from about in ninety nine or two thousand. Stars a seventeen year old Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, it's called Ooh. October Sky. So um, quite a kind of heartwarming movie about a kid in a small town who's inspired by the Sputnik um, satellite launch in the, in the USSR and decides he's going to build his own rocket. Um, and it's uh, it's quite, it's almost like a Disney Channel kind of movie. It's quite borderline cheesy, but it doesn't go too far. It's actually quite quite sweet and very good cast. It has Laura Dern, Chris Cooper in it as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a fun little movie to, to while away uh, kind of saturday afternoon or a sunday so uh, yeah enjoyed that as well october sky based on a true story as well if uh this aspiring uh rocket scientist so uh yeah that's that's all really watched this week oh. do you know who wrote the bodyguard by the way um i don't actually tell me uh according to wikipedia.com or it's not that's not even the right url that org that org uh it was written by lawrence kasdan ah yes i did know that on the, on the credits yeah yeah uh you'll know him from empire strikes back and raiders of the lost ark yeah and the one and- <laughs> good the one good new star wars movie yeah and solo star wars which we won't talk about Ooh. Ooh. that movie's all right i mean i would love to have seen what it was supposed to be before they got that Boring content to direct it. <laughs> anyway. Better than fucking Rise of the Skywalker, at least. Eee, thanks, Cineworld, for nothing. <laughs> Rest in piss, baby. <laughs> oh, All right. We have a, a, a new edition of CSP Has Issues. Yeah, we do. Um, as I said last week, I got some of the old power slams out from the attic. So this week, we're not going to spend too much time on it because I understand that this is a running long already, which is one of my pet peeves on podcasts when they go, oh, we're out of time. It was infinite time for a podcast, but look, we can't be sitting here on our asses for two hours. Um, but yeah, this is the issue 92, the March 2002 edition of, uh, of Power Slam. Some interesting stuff in here, uh, specifically, right? They talk about Royal Rumble 2002 being the first 
um, pay-per-view shown on Sky Box Office. Oh, um, I think, wasn't it? I remember that. Yeah, because they had just moved from Channel... I think Vengeance in 2001 was the last one shown on Channel 4. Yeah. Uh, and then when they, Channel the Channel 4 deal ran out... And they moved back to Box Office. They moved to Box Office, yeah. Well, were the, pay, the pay-per-views were on Sky Sports prior to moving to Channel 4, though, right? Yeah, they yeah, they were, never, they were never pay-per-view. They were always yeah, on Sky yeah, Sports. Yeah. Then when they moved yeah. back, they snuck them on, on Box Office. I remember that one specifically because I uh, recorded a bunch of the replays of, of Royal Rumble 2002 and uh, sold them on eBay. Oh, oh look at you. So, fuck you, WWE. Making money. <laughs> well, you made your money back. Uh, they talk about here that um, the Supercard was available for £14. Yeah. That's what it cost. I, I remember being floored even though I even though I wasn't buying them, so who cares? I remember being floored seeing those ads at the time. Saying, what? Fifteen pounds. Uh, it's funny because they they talk about uh, that it was it was not worth the cash, right? They say was the event worth the cash? For many Power Slam readers, the answer was a vehement no. Mm. That Sky imposed a charge for Royal Rumble on top of the cost of a Sky Sports subscription had some seething. Um, they then go on to give the show a gloomingly positive review. <laughs> so, in a sense, I guess it was worth it. It wasn't a bad uh, show. Their rundown of the show says uh, Taz and Spike Dudley defeated the Dudley Boys in a good opener. Uh, William Regal pinned Edge in a fair bout. Trish Stratus beat Jazz in a good match. Ric Flair defeated Vince McMahon by submission in a very entertaining street fight. Jericho pinned The Rock in a superb match. And Triple H won an exciting and eventful Royal Rumble. So, I don't know. As far as shows that you're going to spend fifteen pounds on, that sounded like quite a good one. I imagine. I think it's probably just it was probably just the culture shock at the time. If you if, exactly. you, if you're going from free to fifteen quid, you probably would have wanted WrestleMania seventeen. I think. Yeah, I mean, they could have had a. Uh, one of those horrible invasion pay-per-views. So they're lucky that that had just finished up. Um, in other news, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Hulk Hogan signed their two-year contracts in late January. So Nash uh, wouldn't... I don't think any... Uh, none of them lasted the two years per their contracts. That would have got taken up right up to WrestleMania 20. Um, Nash was finished by... Well, no, Nash kind of came and went after... I know in 2003, he had that feud with Triple H. I think he ultimately finished up... Oh, just after... No, just after the 2003 Elimination Chamber match. Wasn't that where he finished up? He had lost the hair versus hair match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott Hall wouldn't even make it to the end of the year. And Hulk Hogan would fall out with the company multiple times. Yeah, on and off, back in and out, and all this other stuff. Um, and of course, they cover the all-time great story of uh, that all three were in attendance for the February 5th SmackDown taping, where unfortunately, Hall seemed intent on irritating as many people as possible as quickly as possible and losing <laughs> his job in record time. Um, he brazenly mocked other wrestlers' finishing moves right to their faces. Uh, obviously, the story of the 3D, that's a great finish, can't wait to kick out of it. <laughs> Um, later, he had won too many and made a scene in the hotel bar. His position with the company is already in jeopardy. Um, so he did last a uh, 
a little bit, but not too long after that. Um, the magazine also goes into the fact that Triple H was involved in the negotiations with those three, which was his first kind of foray into into the back office. Mm. Uh, the new Rollerball movie has been panned by critics. Paul Heyman and Shane McMahon have small roles in the film. What? I actually saw that movie. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was a remake of a 1970s movie, oh, I think. Yeah. Ro- I know. Much more famous yeah. Rollerball movie. But uh, no, that film was absolutely dreadful. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, yes, there was uh, the annual Super 8 tournament happened. Oh, yeah. uh, ECWA's Super 8 tournament, uh, which is traditionally one of the highlights of the independent wrestling calendar. Mm. Uh, I wonder when, when that went away, probably with the rise of your, your Super Indies, your PWGs and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was uh, around that time. Yeah, the names of people involved uh, this in 2002, some names we might recognize here. R.C. Haas, formerly Charlie Haas, mm. go on to WWE, obviously. Uh, Red, who I, I assume is the amazing Red. Yeah, I imagine, yeah. Uh, Matt Stryker, not sure if that's the same one, because I remember there were two Matt Strykers I, I think that would be the other one, I would think. The other one. Yeah. Uh, Xavier from Ring of Honor. Recently passed, yeah. Recently passed. Donovan Morgan. No idea who that is. He uh, was a, yeah, not very good uh, guy of the time. He had a moderate, uh, madam, I won't say a moderate bit of success. He, he went over to Japan for a while and he, he had steady work over there. He, he wasn't very good. He wasn't very good. Uh, current AEW star, Pepper Parks. Oh, he's he been wrestling that long? Oh my God. Currently known as the Blade, yeah. Um, and then Bobby Roode, spelled R U D E, R U D E, and AJ Styles. So wow, yeah. that was that was. I think the prior year was like the really famous one where it was like AJ Danielson, low key Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, like all in one tournament. Uh, was the old one version of that? But you know Donovan Morgan and fucking Charlie Haas, you know. Uh. In the color commentary um, feature, um, it talks about the fact that ECW and WCW are gone now and what WWF needs to do to move into the new era, right? <laughs> I think some of these <laughs> some of these ideas are quite funny because we're now in 2020 and they still haven't taken these fully on board, right? Uh, just in, in bullet point form, right? Uh, he says, in essence, much much changes in the air, and while the industry is going through this metamorphosis, we'd like to suggest a few other changes, some overdue, all for the good of the whole, right? Number one, end negative ethnic stereotyping once and for all. Oh, one of these days, they'll get to that. He says, you know the list, a black man must rap and dance, a Hispanic must be hot-tempered, and so on. Um... um. So that's still the case, obviously. Um, it, he doesn't mention that um, all ethnics must be in tag teams together. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, if a revision in plot or character has been ordered, first devise a plausible transition within the context of the storyline, then be sure everyone gets the message. That might be one for AEW and their <laughs> constant <laughs> Randy Rhodes character. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that when we get to the wrestling. Um, more matches across the Atlantic. 
So that's maybe something that has been taken because yeah. WWE weren't really touring the UK and Europe so much at the time. No. Um, they've definitely mined that uh, as much as they can. Uh, don't switch titles or turn people for the hell of it. Mm. They don't turn anyone anymore, do they? Or they just kind of move them from one brand to another. Uh, there's a funny example of this, not in this segment or in this feature, but later on in the magazine, they talk about um, all the times Kurt Angle turned in 2001. He had something like six turns in one year. Oh, yeah. Not quite as crazy as that anymore. Um, impose a moratorium on extreme high-risk maneuvers. <laughs> or, or at least save them for the pay-per-view, Phoenix. Mm. I, I'm thinking more the fact that WWE's had like seven ladder matches this year. <laughs> well, their example is we re- we realize this may be an unpopular request in some circles, but wouldn't you like Jeff Hardy to still be able to walk at age thirty? Uh, he's still and going. then he's wait for this one. Did you know several wrestlers have brain damage as a result of multiple concussions? <laughs> and again, two thousand and two, this magazine was published. Um. And then another suggestion for every promotion out there, take a page from the Japanese booking philosophy handbook and have all wrestlers occasionally etch one in the loss column. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, What do we have then? Um, Oh, my light has died here. My little uh, portable light. Um, I'll go to the letter page. I think that's where the Kurt Angle list was. Now, I will say... This is the first and only example in my Power Slam uh, collection where at the tender age of 14, I wasn't thinking about preservation and I tore the, uh, mm. the center page out to stick in my wall. So I'm missing a bit. Um, missing a bit of the magazine. Uh, do I have it anywhere here? I don't know. I, I now that my light has died, I can't really see it. So I guess we'll clo- as I said, we'll close the segment up there for now. Okay. Um, I'll charge that. I have a little um, well, natties actually, but like a little Polo Mint portable light that I was using to read because we we don't have the room fully lit here, and unfortunately that's died, so I can't read anymore anymore the magazine. But um, yeah, I'll do a different I'll do a different issue next time anyway. And if I find anything interesting in there, uh, we can continue with that. Okay, I enjoy that. I always enjoy that feature. Um, so yeah, that was uh, what we call that again. CSP's got issues. Yeah, uh, we'll jump into the emails here. We might have to be very quick with the emails. I just have one. Uh, if I can pull it up here. Uh, by the way, I was looking for my emails earlier, and of course, our, our emails come via our wonderful internet provider website provider Squarespace. I accidentally typed send space into uh, my Gmail. Because remember that was the predominant um, uh, uh, file sharing file sharing site back in the day. Uh, not too many uh, results on my Gmail, but I did find an old link where someone had sent me um, uh, old copies of the Observer uh, via SendSpace. <laughs> uh, these days, it should be all Google Drive. And anyway, I don't know why I'm doing it. A- that would be an interesting CSP has issues. That random Observer you got once. Uh, the I, file, the link file doesn't work anymore. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I'm not sure. I didn't because I, I just. Clicked out and researched, but I can't imagine SendSpace still exists. But anyway, uh, email here from S- 
Scott offering a bit of clarity. Scott McAvoy, of course, offering a bit of clarity on uh, the polls. He says, the votes take so long because we have 140 million people who can vote and each state has its own set of rules uh, on votes that come in by the mail, which means, some can, uh, which means in some states, the votes count as long as the ballot is stamped by election day by the post office. The polls so off because the media in our country are very one-sided and people on the mm-hmm. other side get tired of being told how terrible they are. So they tell pollsters what they think they want to hear. Mm. Uh, add to that certain members of Congress, like AOC, saying they plan to keep plan on keeping a hit list of people who didn't support her. Why would anyone give a pollster their honest opinion, knowing if they disagree, the person t- the, taking the poll has their name, phone number, and address? Mm. This is an interesting question. Um, what American restaurant? This is a completely unrelated follow-up uh, uh, here. Scott has for us. Uh, what American restaurant have you heard about that you don't have over on your side of the pond that you wish you could visit? Chick Fil A, Zabby's. I've never heard of that. Or Bojangles. Have a great week, Scott. I tried Bojangles. I liked it. Um, uh, what is that? It's it's kind of like uh, you, you know from wrestling watching Popeyes ads. It's a similar oh, yeah. thing. It's like a uh, fried chicken, biscuits, gravy, potatoes, um, and 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 as as we all are on this side of the world, I was perplexed at the idea of biscuits or you know bread yeah. rolls as we call them. But I got one. I got a biscuit with my um with my chicken. It was good. It was good. They serve them nice and hot with lots of butter. Um, yeah, I've mentioned this. This is probably cheating because I have eaten this. But uh, I know in the UK, they have Taco Bell. Still no Taco Bell here in Ireland. I, I would love an El Taco Bell over here. Um, I mean, it is it is shit. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it really is the easiest way to describe it is it's McDonald's for Mexican food. I mean, it is just it is just the most fast foodized, processed, uh, commercialized Mexican food ever. But it's damn good. And I like McDonald's. So um, I would absolutely uh, take... Um, uh, one of those over here. Uh, what about you, lads? Mm, I'll probably go. You said Chick. You said Chick Fil A, right? Chick Fil A is on there as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'll probably go for the Chick Fil A because I've had that a few times, and that is that is really good. And um, it's a bit different from from everything else we've got. Like we have fr- loads of fried chicken. Like every everywhere you go here, fried chicken shop. Mm. Every single corner, they've all got hilarious names. Uh, my favorite being either favorable fried chicken um, which is a spin on favorite fried chicken which is a, a chain mm. or um there's also a chain called perfect fried chicken and one shop i don't know if it was a copyright claim or the ownership changed but they changed it to perfect fried chicken what? <laughs> i presume they had a spare f but no no other letters so they just changed it to perfect fried chicken uh, but yeah but we don't have a kind of chicken place like chick-fil-a where it's a little bit a little bit different, so that that would be my pick. Do you? We uh, had. Go on, Paul. Sorry, we had in in League Slip. Uh, it's not there anymore, but a restaurant that was presumably along the lines of perfect, uh, presumably supposed to be called Taste of India, mm. but through a mix-up that I'm I'm not privy to, ended up being called Taste of Indis. <laughs> I n d i s. <laughs> Maybe because S and A are beside each other on a keyboard, but that was up on the sign above the shop door. Taste of Indus. I don't know what that was about. Um, I I was going to ask there. I don't know if... um, Because they they probably have... 
people just you know do other stuff. But over here, I don't know if Scott has similar in the states. The amount of as as you referenced there, the amount of chicken places that have red and, red and white branding and just use a different letter of the alphabet FC, uh, FFC, JFC, AFC. Uh, I I have even seen a couple of KFCs where the K just stands for something other than Kentucky, uh, <laughs> like ki- kindly fried chicken, and it's bl- red and red and white branding uh, with someone with not the colonel, the general, the general of of of, G- of GFC, <laughs> like, admiral, <laughs> the admiral, <laughs> like the the amount of um, um, like knockoff KFCs I've seen. Uh, around is actually kind of crazy. Um, but anyway, thank you, Scott, for your question and your info, RE the polls. Uh, what about you, lads? Mails on your end? I do. I don't have them open yet, if you want to. I do. I have two. Uh, let me open them quickly. First one is from Scott. Uh, he says, while it loads, uh, lost movie genres and a pick one. He says, "Good evening, Paul. I was looking through Box Office Mojo the other day and noticed there are certain genres of movies mm. that have compl- almost completely vanished. Uh, the two that really stood out are courtroom dramas. Yes, That's true. Very good. I haven't even thought about that one. Yeah. He, he says, "A few good men. Anything by John Grisham. Yeah. The best one. Twelve Angry Men." Mm. Uh, that is true. Uh, and sports movies. Yeah, I guess sports movies are also not as prevalent as they were. Yeah, like Creed is kind of the outlier, really. It's like the one and two. They're the only two that come to mind. Funnily, since Scott asked the question, uh, you mentioned earlier, are buddy cops? I feel like buddy cop movies are still a thing, but they're all shit these days. Um, like the bodyguard, the bodyguard, or whatever that Ryan Reynolds movie was, and the heat, you know, um, top out, like all absolute dreck. Whereas Lethal Weapon, uh, you know, um, things like that, uh, I feel like they are on a, on a downswing. Um, in the in the courtroom drama is a great one. I can't remember the last um, like Just Mercy was well regarded, but like no one went to see it. Like it, it was not a big film. Um, in the vein of a few good men, um, yeah, that's actually that's actually a great show. Um, so he says, uh, I suppose you could throw in the Who Done It as a genre as well. Although we did have mm. the Knives Out um, and they, last year and, and the Agatha Christie remakes. Yeah, uh, they're still making those. Or Express, yeah, uh, Death on the Nile, which is coming out. Mm. So. Still a few of those around. Uh, is the average person's attention span so short now, yes, uh, that these movies are gone for good? Possibly. It's quite, yeah, it's I kind of hard to imagine. Movie, a, a movies are getting longer, though. That's the only thing. Movies are getting longer, but the kind of movie that gets made nowadays in terms of genre and content is more in a stranglehold than it ever has been it's, before it's in terms like, of it being profitable. Yeah. yeah. Like flashing lights and noises. That's um, they're longer, yeah, they're longer, but it's Iron Man and <laughs> it's the like. Three hours of noises. Yeah. Uh, he gives us a pick one, a movie trilogy version. Ooh. Now unfortunately of the of the nine movie uh movies that he puts forward, I've only seen eight of them. So okay. I'm a little bit at a loss here, but Planet of the Apes, Ooh. 
Rise, Dawn, and War. Mm. Batman Begins, Dark Knight Rises. Okay. The Matrix, Matrix Reloaded, and Revolutions. Um, I I would almost immediately cross out the Matrix. Mm-hmm. I think the first one is excellent. Uh, the second and third ones are dreadful. I have never seen um, them. Yeah. I mean, I think well, I think the second one has its good points, but that third one is muck. Um, Batman. Similarly, I think the first two are really good, and the third one less so. That being said, I don't think any of the three is as good as the first Matrix. So it's a little mm, bit... Yeah, that's weird. probably fair, yeah. I've only seen the first two Apes movies. I've n- still not seen War for the Planet of the Apes. I really enjoyed the first two. Um, Rise and Dawn. I thought they were both really good. I, I think you would love... I think you would similarly... The second and the third one are comparable in terms of quality. I would argue the third yeah. one's the best. Um, so for me, having not seen the third one, I probably would have to go for for Batman, even though I think I think Batman Begins and The Dark Knight are great. And I don't dislike The Dark Knight Rises as much as a lot of people do. But I, I still think that that trilogy is a little overrated. Yeah. But I'll pick it nonetheless. I think I would have to agree. I think... Um... The Ape series, quite enjoyed it, but it didn't it left me a bit cold at times. Uh, Matrix again, as you say, one great movie, two shade movies, which I've only ever seen once and would never bother to rewatch again. Uh, I'd go for the Batman because I know I, I kind of agree. Probably looking back at it now, would, would I rate it as highly as I did when it came out? No, but I still still a personal kind of favorite of mine. So Dark, Dark Knight trilogy. And Barry, um, I'd probably I'd probably go apes to be honest. There you go. Um, he says to have a good week. Thanks very well. Uh, thanks very well. Thanks very well. Thanks very well. well. Thanks very well. I am confused because the next email is from Well Sewell. Ah, hey, uh, here he comes. Here he comes. Big, big, big Willie style. Um, Willpower. Subject. Explain. So you know where this is. Oh, he says. Sit <laughs> put your seatbelts on. He says, "Hi, Paul. Maybe you can have an explain and." Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> Wait a minute. Scratching my little chin hairs here for a second. Uh, I wonder. Taker. Brackets. Brothers of discussion. Maybe you can have one of these about whether you should bring back. Explain and oh, hang on now. <laughs> Wait a second, dear. Oh, I wonder, Taker, brother of discussion. Um, so what do you think? Should we bring it back? And and why? And do you have any points against bringing it back apart from the fact that I say it and it takes ten minutes? Um, I can't. What, what is this? What was the second? It's just. <laughs> It's just it's not a discussion. debate. It's not debate, Carly. That was good. It, well, it kind of is debate, Carly. It, it's 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 just if there's <laughs> debate, <laughs> debate, Carly is always a better name for it. It's just if there's something a topic of a week worthy of discussion that we're discussing, which we do anyway without the name. But it's 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 almost something that's big enough to to warrant its own 
segment. Sure. You know? <clears throat> I think, as the creator of the segment, I think it is. It's not in retirement, but it's it's um, and, and appropriately so. It's Undertaker. You know, if if Vinny Mac gives him the call, he'll be there. You know, mm. maybe once a year around April, but. I don't think it needs to be brought back in any kind of full-time thing. Um, whenever it does come up, I get immense joy when I get to do the... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> that, old, that old thing. But um, should something come up, a, a, a monumental wrestling thing or something like that, uh, maybe maybe we do it. But thanks for uh, rem- the, the trip down memory lane. He also says, and this is... Uh, I don't recall who this is a Joe or Barry thing. He says, also, I never hear the name Sasha Banks without thinking Sashay Banks anymore. So thanks for that. <laughs> I think that was me, um, original Dwayne Johnson Buster, I believe. Uh, was it? I'd bring that back. Yeah, I, I might work on that for next week. I'll work on that for next week. We need an AEW edition because we haven't done it since AEW has been in existence. There's <laughs> a whole new wealth of wrestlers for us to. To be fair, people, the least that got in touch with us, seem to enjoy Dwayne Johnson Busters, even though it was a short-lived. Uh, I love that we do these segments, and we people like them, and then we just one week forget to do it, and then it never comes yeah, back. They're, they're, <laughs> their effort, aren't they? Their effort, you know. And then they, their effort, but we forget even what the segment was. Yeah. Honest. I mean, Dwayne Johnson Busters, we have done sporadically Mm. here and there. Because sometimes, to let the listeners behind the the curtain in terms of the effort that we put into the show, I'll just think of in the week, oh, Alex Riley sounds like (laughs) a a lick really. (laughs) And then I'll go, oh, that'd be a good Dwayne Johnson Buster. And then I'll put the effort in to make two more and go, oh, guys, quiz this week. That's literally it. There's no mm. thought of, let's do Dwayne Johnson posters this week. It's just in the middle of the week, something will come in my head. And then nine out of ten times, I forget to do it. Like, I'll think, oh, that would be great for the podcast. And then by the time we come to do the podcast, I'll have forgotten to do it. That's how it works. I'll, I'll try um, and remember to do a um, Dwayne Bond. J- Dwayne Bond. Uh, Dwayne Johnson. Was he, was he in uh, Big Table in Little China? Was he? <laughs> Oh, all right, Chris Tucker, settle down over there. Um, <laughs> um, Will says, keep up the excellent podcast. Don't know about that, Will. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Uh, yeah, and I, I have a final email from uh, Mr. Scott McAvoy. <clears throat> he says, good evening, Joe. Since Barry has uh, finally shown signs of settling down, play more Barry Murphy or settle down. Um, I'd like to hear from each of you what first caught your eye about your significant others. Was it their laugh, smile, how they talk trash about your favorite movie, something else? That's a very personal question. I think for me, it's a bit of a cliche, but sense, sense of humor is always an important one. Because yeah. obviously, as anyone who listens to the show will know, the three of us are all quite silly, frivolous people. Mm. Um, and therefore, I need someone who will constantly like to mess around and, and say stupid things for no reason um so that's my point i couldn't i couldn't be with someone who sort of takes himself seriously it would just be oh god yeah. you can't you can't do that um i need someone who will laugh when i call gilmore girls billmore bells 
Um, ah! <laughs> no more gills. Yeah, get more, get more gills, girls. Um, so that would be it, that would be it for me. That that kind of sense of humour and lack of lack yeah. of pretentiousness. No, we all know um, Michelle. Michelle is lovely. Mm. Um, for for me, um, how me and Natty started back in the day, six and a half years ago now. Um, Exactly six and a half years to the day, actually, <laughs> um, was um, she posted on... I, I was in a time at work where I was just adding everyone on Facebook. Mm. I don't know why. I was, I was going through a phase of adding people. I don't know why. Um, and I added her. I knew her brother because her brother already worked there. I, I knew him already. Uh, she... Um, I had her on Facebook, and then I posted uh, the trailer for the Godzilla film that was coming out in 2014. Because I'm I'm big into monster movies. I love uh, I love that Godzilla. Ironically, I love the host uh, King Kong, the '98 Godzilla. I have a soft spot for mm. um, Pacific Rim. I, I, I like movies where a big monster attacks a sea. Oh yeah. Power Rangers, <laughs> all that stuff. Uh, and so I posted the trailer and said that I was really um, excited for it. And Natty, because she also liked them movies, she p- uh, posted on my post, oh, I'm excited for it too, blah, 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 right? And so I immediately messaged her on Facebook Messenger, oh, you like Godzilla too? I like Godzilla, blah, blah. And we got talking. And a week later, uh, we went out on her birthday. I took her. We, w- we weren't going out, going out at that stage. We're still only talking. But it was her birthday a week later, and I took her out to the cinema mm. to see The Wind Rises, which is a Studio Ghibli movie. Um, and later that week, we started going out, and then we went to see Godzilla in the cinema. That was the second movie we went to see, and the first we went to see as a couple was that that movie, which was the reason for us starting to talk in the first place. Mm. That's nice. Yeah. And we both really enjoyed it, and it was good. And now we, I have it on Blu-ray, and I think we've watched it a further three times, because that that's our movie, in a sense. Mm. Barry, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like uh, very much in the similar vein to to Joe, I feel like it's the sense of humor is the the important uh, puzzle piece uh, uh, that needs to click together. I think it was just kind of after a couple of dates when it was when it was like uh, you know having some just kind of chill out time in my at the time previous apartment. Um, once once you kind of get to enjoy those kind of quieter moments where you're not necessarily doing anything, you're not on a date, you're maybe lazing around on a Sunday watching a TV. I think once you realize, oh, wow, I'd really just enjoy being in this person's company, I think that's when you kind of realize, like, ah, oh, this is this is good. I don't have to be 
Because I feel like when you're on those first couple of dates, you kind of have to be, well, here's who I am. And this is the here, yeah. here are my pre prepared little bits. Did you know I like the wrestling, do you? Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas it's, I think that's, it's, I can't pinpoint to a particular moment, but it's like a couple of weeks in when the comfort level just rises. I think that's always a nice feeling. Um, mm. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think, I think someone you can be comfortable around is the, is extremely important. Um, uh, and, and essentially, I forgot to say she she's uh, funny and sexy as well. Oh yeah, all those oh, as well. oh yeah, sexy, sexy. As well, you guys were like, "Oh, I like this and this." I already told the story about how it happened. I never said, "Oh, because she was funny." That's why I liked her. Um, anyway, Scott also has a quick pick one for us. Oh, he's got a, tr- a tricky one. It's a wrestler edition. He has uh, three wrestlers: uh, Kurt Angle. Mm. Nick, Mick Foley mm. and Ray Mysterio. So that's tough. Three uh, great wrestlers. Three great wrestlers, three different wrestlers. Um uh, I, think, I, think, I think Angle and Mysterio are kind of technically um have such a great body of work, but then when I think of all the kind of mo- the more emotional moments, Foley is definitely there, like the street fight, you know, Hell in a Cell, the, mm. um, that match where Austin comes out and hits uh, Rock with a chair, the, the, great, the greatest <laughs> moment in the history of our sport, butts in seats, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of leaning towards Foley, even though I love Angle and Mysterio. Yeah, this is this is super tough because there are three of the greatest ever, and I love Rey Mysterio. And like, if you, the, I think if you were to lock yourself in a room with one person's career, you'd probably see Rey Mysterio stuff you'd never even considered because he's wrestling since he's like 14. But with all that said, I, I I'm also leading Foley because I think he he has all the he has the wonderful story moments that make a wrestling career great you know what i mean he has those he, like like you the ones you mentioned there he has these moments burned into your subconscious do you know what i mean um so i i would probably go foley i'll be the one dissenter i think i would go angle mm. just I, I mean i i think foley, I, I would not consider mysterio mm. Which sounds very negative to just discount him like that, to dismiss him so easily. But um, I think Foley and, and Angle is very, very close. I, I particularly liked Foley's matches with Triple H towards the end. Those two I thought were phenomenal. Um, but I think Foley, for me, almost had too short a, a peak in which he was like really, really top level. Yeah. Like from maybe. 96 to 98 you know angle i think had a longer run of better matches from you know 2000 to maybe 2006 ish 2007 uh, and even tna had some really good stuff but i think kurt angle also had the like foley had a variety of like fun matches where he was a bit more you know goofy but then also real serious real technical matches um so I would say if I'm taking the whole body work, maybe not only uh, the matches, but the the segments and the angles and stuff. I would, I would, no pun intended. I would probably go angle. Okay, good try. Very, very difficult one there. Thanks. That's a tough Scott. one. Yeah, Pretty, yeah. I think that's the toughest he's got. Yeah, that's uh, emails. Uh, let's jump in to the rest of here. We do have a lot of wrestling to chat about. Did any of you watch the AEW Games presentation? 
Yeah, I, stay, I stayed up for it. Uh, so did I stay up for it, and boy, did they make me regret that. Um, I thought, <laughs> leaving aside what we might think about the games, maybe we'll talk about that in a second. I thought the I thought it was funny when Kenny came out as Steve Jobs. I was over it about two minutes in. Oh my god! Oh my god! It just kept going. I mean, I thought it was definitely an idea that was better on paper than oh, we'll do a wacky like Apple press conference deal. Mm. Mm. I would have preferred it to be a little simpler and a little bit more focus on the, the actual news than a wacky skit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I watched it the next day and kind of skipped through the YouTube video and I just couldn't believe that it seemed to be the same thing for 20 minutes. And there was no actual like footage or news or anything. It was just them farting about. But yeah, so bit of a disappointment. Um, the games... Uh, um... I think it's kind of early to judge the console one. I will say the art style doesn't do much for me. Um, Kenny Omega and his his big, his gigantic titties and his little nipples. I thought it was interesting that they used a photorealistic Chris Jericho. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the little bits they showed, it, it seems like... It does kind of seem like they're kind of going for that all stars thing. They're countering out of moves, like maybe unique animations. But it's it like there's no point dissecting it because it's it was thirty seconds of out of context moves. You know what I mean? I, the one thing that they they explicitly they explicitly named No Mercy two or three times that it's it's going to be a No Mercy style game. So I don't think it's going to be. Although visually it looks like a all star, I don't think gameplay wise it's going to be that. Um, I don't know what they're trying to go for. Like, obviously, No Mercy, by virtue of when it came out, is a, a blocky, not very pretty looking game. But mm. it was also on the Nintendo sixty four. Like, I I don't think it was so much an art style as like the best they could do, realism wise. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, I'm not sh- so sure that ultra realism is is the right answer either. No, I, no. I'm not sure what what the right answer is. Whether the graphics, I, I I would almost say if they were to go a, a little, obviously not to the extent of a No Mercy, but if they even took the graphics a little bit back, like a, a, a kind of retro-y look, um, I think that might be the way to go. But I, I don't know if that's maybe what they're trying to do. But yeah, it, it definitely kind of took me back when I saw it the first time. I was like, oh, that's a, 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 maybe a little bit too cartoony for the kind of game that they're trying to make, like for a hardcore wrestling fan who would have played No Mercy 20 years ago when it came out. Mm. I, I didn't even check out the other games. What what are they? The, a manager's phone sim and a, some kind of casino game that has nothing to do with wrestling. Yeah, the a phone game that's like uh, did you ever play the general manager mode on the SmackDown versus Raw games a couple of years ago? No. Okay. Well, so 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 people are kind of comparing this to like EWR or TEW. I I don't know if it's going to be like that because it. No, I, th- I think it's going to be very simple because because if, if it's an AEW licensed product. So when you play EWR. It's like you can download files where it's like simulate. Uh, uh, what if WCW won the war and, and you're controlling WCW in, in 2010? And it's shit like um, Sean O'Hare passed out backstage off his tits on coke. Uh, 
Um, like, like, Wait, are we doing the power slam segment or is this? Um, like, so, so, so this game isn't going to have any of that. Like, the reason I mentioned GM mode in in SmackDown versus Raw, it was a, it was a cool little thing they messed around with like ten years ago in those games, but it was kind of pointless. Basically, what you would do is you would just lay out a match card. And it's, my memory serves, that was kind of just it. And it would go, you'd go through the weeks, wrestlers would come to you saying, hey, I want a pay raise. You'd get told what your TV ratings were. It was a very basic WWE branded version of um, of of a booking simulator where you were negotiating wages. And that was kind of it. It was just keeping wrestlers on, on Raw. It was brand versus brand. That's how they did it. Uh, so and this looks like it's kind of going to be like that, where you, you book the weekly TV show, and they mentioned in passing, like, yeah, keep measure backstage morale, charge, to, you know, maybe you'll be able to set ticket prices. Like, it's again, it was we, it was kind of a very quick trailer, um, and it didn't, it didn't elaborate much on. It. And then, yeah, the casino thing is funnily enough, the casino thing they said is out this winter, but they also showed the least of what that actual game is going to be. I assume that it's going to, it's, it's literally just going to be a casino phone game with AEW branding on it. Mm. Very weird. Um, I would hope. My hope is that the the manager game they'll charge you once for it, and you'll just play it. And then the phone game, the casino game, will be the horrible fucking microtransaction by by ten million credits for ten dollars game. Uh, but it's hard to say. Then the weirdest part of it was, was like, oh, we've also got a T-shirt. And it was just the logo of the company on a black T-shirt. Buy it now. Yeah. So I guess I, guess, I suppose that was supposed to be cute. But I, 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 I was running out of patience with their hour late stream at this stage. Oh. Uh, Dynamite was good, though. Dynamite was really good. It was. Um, there were some bits on it I wasn't super hot about. But I thought overall it was a good show. What did you make of the extremely tall lady coming out to cut a promo on, on Cody? <laughs> um, I I was a bit miffed by it. In, yeah. In, okay. In Insofar as I thought visually she is obviously very different Ca- to what you usually see. Eye-catching. So that's a thumbs up. Okay. Her delivery wasn't the best. No. But I don't know what her experience level is. So I don't know. But it was, it was very... Um, Ironically, very Brandy Rhodes in in that it, it feels like she's reading a script instead of natural feeling. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, ironically, Brandy Rhodes then came out and sounded very natural, mm. but like she is gone from. And this is not be me being Chris Tucker necessarily, uh, or or Jackie Chan, let's say. <laughs> but she was suddenly like real ghetto, which she's never been before. I'm like, oh my god, another spin on the character. Who is? I don't feel like I know who this woman is. Every week she's a different thing. Yeah, I thought it was fine. It wasn't. It was obviously wasn't a great promo, but it was. It served its purpose, I think. Also, I I did. Was Cody calling himself a giant killer? I must have missed that. Um, I assume in reference to the Brody Lee Lance Archer match. Yeah, it's been kind of said passively. He has he has not been billing himself as it, but it's been said. It has. I don't think they made a big enough deal about that to warrant suddenly this promo because I had no idea what was happening. Mm. And she, and then for Shaq to be to be the payoff, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, Which, I mean, I suppose domestically is is a deal because Shaq, as far as I know, this might be like 
<laughs> this might be the Dave Meltzer European view of we're all still watching Friends in 2020. But I I understand that Shaq is still like a pundit on basketball coverage in the US. That might be completely wrong. You know, it, is, it is, yeah. So, yeah. So I assume he's like still a deal, but Shaq um, internationally is not a big deal, really. Um, yeah. So when he was revealed as my client's Shaq, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Next segment, please. The, but I'm sure he'll bring, he'll bring eyeballs to it, and that's kind of the goal. Isn't I it? know, I know Shaq is still doing um, uh, basketball analysis because he's in the video game every year. Because I, I don't know if they do this in FIFA, but in NWA 2K, they have the television pundits and they have some canned banter that they have before uh, all the matches. And Shaq is just dead, right. deadpan reading his lines every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how he, he is in real life. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's very, I, I love that uh, 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 Assassin's Creed style Shaq with the flappy mouth. Oh, brilliant. Um, no, they don't have that in FIFA. Uh, yeah, so Shaq, I guess, is going to have a Cody match. It's funny because he was teasing a match in WWE for, I feel like, 10 years at this stage. With Big Show, right? Yeah, on and, on and off. Yeah. Shaq was at that fucking WrestleMania I was at. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so we'll see what happens there. The other big news on the show uh, was the return of Pac-Man. Not Pac-Man, but... <laughs> Return of Pac-Man. <laughs> game, uh, game thing. Uh, yeah, he's back, and he's still a bastard. Yeah. So they had a they had a main event of Ray Phoenix versus Pentagon with Eddie Kingston on commentary, and uh, they they were working. That match was great. The match was great. They were beating the shit out of each other. They had a completely different great match to the great match they had two weeks ago. Um, just beating the shit out of each other, ripping each other's masks off. Pentagon kind of leading the charge. Eddie subtly burying Phoenix on the commentary. Yeah, both their faces were just out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like they really went for it, which is crazy. And it was like that thing we talked about years ago about Lucha Underground, where Pentagon without the match just looks like the most regular fella in the world <laughs> like phoenix phoenix obviously has a bit of the ray mysterio to him he's got the shaved head facially he looks a bit like ray mysterio pentagon is just a, like a, a chubby lad with hair yeah so uh after the match pentagon wins eddie kingston comes down and, it, and he's interrupted by pack it kind of seems like they're going to split where it's going to be Eddie and Pentagon and possibly Pac and Phoenix as a separate team. Um, which which I'm excited because I think I think I'm way more into the idea of Phoenix and Pentagon as singles compared to the Lucha Bros as a tag team. I actually think now that now that I've seen both those guys in, in lots and lots of singles matches and now I've seen them in lots and lots of tags, I feel like their work as the Lucha Bros is vastly overrated and not nearly as entertaining as as their single stuff. Mm. I, but then I don't think AW did enough with them as Lucha Bros either. Yeah, like I would have liked to see them in matches with Young Bucks and more people they could have good matches with and be showcased in those matches. Mm. Seems like they were losing a lot of those matches. They weren't the showcase that they maybe need to be. Um, but I'm yeah, I'm all for the direction they seem to be going in. Uh, yeah. So uh, we'll see what's to come uh, with Pack back on a weekly basis. Um, not much else to talk about in the show. Solid show. Uh, I like the Bunkhouse match a lot. Oh, that was good. Yeah, um, that was fun. Oh, buddy, were they bleeding all over the shop in that match? 
um, which was uh, different to the, the, the things that you used to see on TV. It was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, this is the thing, though, that um, we were discussing earlier about in Power Slam was like, okay, save the big spots for the pay-per-view. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're only off a pay-per-view and we're having a double juice match with, like, QT Marshall in it. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Does, does that lessen a little bit the impact when we get blood in a pay-per-view main event? Yeah, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. Um, match was really fun, that being said, but was a little a little over the top for the like second segment of the show. Um, yeah, I don't think this, uh, we had the MJF induction. That's, look, that's just, that story is just chugging along, I think. Uh, you know, we're, 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 we're basically counting down to the turn now, I think. Yeah, yeah. I liked when they brought the balloons down and they just blew away. Yeah. I like, uh, um, I like uh, Swagger and Wardlow looking at each other like Maggie and the... the, the, the Gerald. Yeah. <laughs> was it just me or was Wardlow different looking on this one? Don't know. Like he had his, like he had his eyebrows done or something. <laughs> uh, I can't, can't say I noticed. Mm. Hopefully, someone else knows. I was just looking at his face as you stand there. I was going, Wardlow's uh, face is different. Send him a tweet. Send him a phone up. Wardlow, did you get your eyebrows done, mate? Or, or did you have your beard trimmed a bit? I don't know. It just looked different. I don't know. A little bit of Botox, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> He's a handsome man. Yeah, he might be into that. Uh, oh, uh, we they also played Scorpio Sky versus Sean Spears in the middle of this by mistake instead of having it on dark where it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did forward through that. Why is oh, God. why is he winning? Because he's Cody's mate. Oh God. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was dynamite. Good show. Um. It was a good, it was a good show. It was a good show. Uh, news there from yesterday. Uh, over the weekend, Selena Vega was let go from WWE. Uh, it seems like she stood her ground on the Twitch stuff, mm-hmm. um, not wanting to hand over her account or work through WWE on Twitch. Give w- whatever the whatever the, the the rule was. It came out there today. Uh, someone I, can't, I wish I could remember who reported this. Allegedly, she was making more money on Twitch than she was getting through WWE, which. Um, Wow. It's quite well. I was not say it's quite damning of them, but also she is, you know, a very, a very pretty lady on Twitch. Mm. Uh, so I, I can, I can see how. And she also like, like she does very, very, very professional looking cosplay. Like she's not just putting on a fucking Batman mask and saying, "Hey, look, I'm Batman." Yeah. Like she seems she, <laughs> she puts a lot of effort into her outside of wrestling exploits. So uh, fair fucking play to her. I will say that was not to fucking make me sound like, hey, aren't I the aren't I a writer, Ryan Satin? But when when I saw that she got released, the first thing I thought was, Twitch is actually becoming quite a viable alternative career for a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Miro is still on AW, fair enough, but he's he does a lot of Twitch stuff now. Selena Vega does a lot of Twitch stuff, and then okay, we've had a, one or two others who who caved into the demands, but. Realistically, you know, becoming whatever you want to call them, uh, content creators or influencers, is, is a lot more is a lot easier when you're already a very established, well known personality. Yeah, and people might people might once they get released just pivot into that rather than mm. going to your AW or or whatever. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Easier on the body. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we will see what, if any, upshot there is of that. I mean, most likely there won't be. It's not like people are going to rally around her. They never do. Um, no. But, yeah. Uh, what else we got here before we wrap up? Yeah. So I rewatched Talking Shop of Mania 1 because the second one came out on Friday. Okay. Um, again, for context, I listened to Luke Gallows and the other fella. What's his name? Uh, <laughs> Anderson. Karen Anderson's... Chad, um, Chad Cheater. Chad Too Bad Allegra um, and Rocky Romero. I, I listen to their podcast. I really enjoy their podcast because it's... Um, Luke Gallows in particular is a very funny guy and it's just wrestlers you know mm. off the cuff chatting it's, it's fun um i did enjoy the first talking shop in mania i thought it was a uh, quite a funny parody of of a wrestling pay-per-view mm. done in a very shambolic way which only added to the comedy right um the second one bit of a mixed bag um i enjoyed some of the early stuff on it and then the 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 latter stuff like rocky romero and um Chavo Guerrero had a cinematic death match, which went on for about an hour, yeah. uh, which, which was 55 minutes too long. And then the main event was um, they had the, the boner yard match on the first one. This one was a, a ball for a ball match, which obviously was the parody <laughs> of the eye for an eye match. Um, it wasn't funny. It was just low blows for 20 minutes. It was really, really cool. um, <laughs> no, so The name is good, though. The name is good. The name was good. That's why I, I they, they got my uh, my couple of euro out of me. I got worked because uh, while the first one was was very funny, it was a little bit like Bora and Bora Two. This one was um, they were trying too hard to to be the focus of the scene rather than let the funniness happen. Mm. And um, I, I'd say it was a big flop ski for me. I, I I thought it was I thought it was poor. Would not recommend. The first one was good. Second one, a bit of a stinker. And I think that is going to wrap up a bumper edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. What a week it's been. Um, that ought to hold a little less obese. That ought to hold you, folks. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, do, if you want to contribute like Will and Scott did, you can go to chairshoppodcast.com and send us an email. If you got a new console or if you're getting a new console next week with the launch of the PS5, let us know what are you getting, what are you playing, what are you thinking about it, interested to know what everyone thinks. Uh, and, you know, just email us about you know, wrestling, whatever whatever you want to email us about. You, know, you can email us about, uh, you know, Will and, and Scott emailed us about a very variety of different topics. But if you want to email about AEW or whatever, you feel free to do that. Um, yeah. and we, are, we, uh, are we famous enough yet that we can make Amazon wish lists with PS5s on it and have people buy it for us? No. Well, I mean, anyone can do that, but getting them to buy it, yeah, I don't know about that. We need we need to get a little money mark will buy us consoles. Yeah, we'll we'll you know, we'll keep we'll keep going for another ten years and see see how we're doing then. <laughs> um, get us some gifts for CSP one thousand, please. That's a funny thing to think about. When we started this show, we were playing PS threes. I didn't even own a PS three when we started the show. Three uh, sixties then. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's that's that for this week. We'll be back next week with more have more dynamite chat, more video game chat, and all the rest of it. So uh, thanks very much for listening, folks. It's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Paul. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye. <laughs>